is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. Thank goodness it's the weekend. This week, week feels like it's gone on for ages, isn't it? I think it's partly the cold. The cold, I, I, I don't know if this has been researched. This is my own theory. Slows down time. I think it does. Go slower when it's cold. You notice when you're on a hot holiday, right? If you're in, like, Jamaica or Spain or somewhere hot for two weeks, it goes really quickly. Somewhere cold, it goes on for ages, doesn't it? I'm still recovering. If I sound a little sluggish today, it's because we, Jonathan Vernon Smith and I recorded our Boxing Day special, the festive face-off yesterday. It was, it was all right, but there were a lot of Brussels sprouts were involved. We'll tell you a bit more later on, and we may even, if we have time, play a little clip of it. It was a lot of fun, but today's show is action-packed. Lots of things that I know you'll like to have your say on, including... Former Luton South MP Margaret Moran is due to be sentenced today after she fiddled her expenses. We find out why she won't receive a criminal conviction. Are there jobs which you should be banned from doing if you can't speak fluent English? If so, which ones? Labour leader Ed Miliband says people who can't speak English fluently should be banned from taking some public sector jobs. And when you were having kids, and I need you to be completely honest about this, did you secretly want a boy or a girl? I'll be honest, when we were having our first boy, I wanted a girl. I did, until I found out it was a boy, and then I was like, fantastic, that's wonderful, yes, we'll take that one, please. But up until, when's the first, the the sex scan, is it 20 weeks or something like that, something like that, 20, 21 weeks? Up until then I was going, girl, a girl, a girl, please. Be honest... Did you want a boy or a girl? Were you a little bit disappointed with what you got? Figures from Watford-based Net Mums shows more mums want girls than boys. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com, of course. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's something. Newshound Catherine Boyle has just sent me the message. We chose not to find out what sex we were ha- that they were having. I couldn't do that. I'd, I'd love, I would love the surprise of being pregnant for nine months and the mid- it pops out and the midwife goes, oh, well done, it's a girl, oh, it's a boy. But I couldn't do that. Being in a room, knowing that there was a nurse who could see what we were having and knowing there was technology that could tell us what we were having, I couldn't not know. And also the second one, I saw it's ding-dang. You can, once you know what you're looking for, you can see it. You can see it. Catherine Bosch's message, it, we decided it was none of our business. Of course it's your business, you're his mum. Strange one. Now, former Luton South MP Margaret Moran is due to be sentenced today after a jury ruled she'd fiddled £53,000 in expenses. £53,000. These uh, included false claims of twenty two grand to treat dry rot at her Southampton home and £14,000 on a new boiler at her then Luton home. Be nice, wouldn't it? We need a new boiler. You fancy paying for it for us? No, I've got to pay out of my own money. Oh, well, never mind. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Tony Fisher has been following this story. Morning, t- morning, Tony. Morning, Ian. What's the judge likely to say today? Well, just on that boiler, Ian, uh, that boiler, I used, I did give her credit for actually having a new boiler fitted at a Luton home, but uh, it turns out that uh, no new boiler was ever fitted at all at oh, a Luton home. There was no boiler. She just claimed 14 grand she, for it. She claimed 14 grand for a Luton home. Genius. And uh, no, no new boiler, nothing. 
said the work was carried out at her Southampton home. So very, there you very go. naughty. Give you an indication. But basically, uh, Ian, we probably remember uh, Margaret Moran was too um, mentally ill, as it were, mentally unstable, not fit to plead during her trial at Southwark Crown Court. Um, claims she couldn't sort of follow the evidence, therefore uh, she can't follow the evidence, she can't instruct her lawyers, um, she can't plead, therefore she can't be found guilty. Therefore, she can't go to jail. Um, now, this is going to annoy quite a few people, perhaps, in the Luton South constituency. The judge, so the judge has three options open to him. He can either give her a full discharge, sort of, see you go, that's it, over and out, uh, or a supervision order, um, i.e. carry on as she is, in theory, getting uh, treatment from psychiatrists down at her uh, home in uh, Southampton, or a hospital order, um, i.e. section, so, you know, something, Broadmoor perhaps a bit extreme, but a hospital like that. So he's got three options open to him. Um, the question is, of course, you know, how, how, how mentally unstable, how mentally ill is she? Because, you know, she's been in the papers, uh, wandering around a, around a, a town in Southampton, going to the pub. Uh, apparently she's been going to her house in Spain. Uh, nothing wrong with that. It doesn't actually prove uh, her mental state. Um, but I think the judge will have to have some fresh psychiatric reports done uh, before he um, before he makes his decision uh, this, this morning. Because it's one thing having psychiatric reports for the trial to determine whether she's fit to stay on trial. Uh, it's another thing now to say, well, what state is she in now? few weeks on uh, before I uh, sentence her. And um, you may remember Lord Hanningfield uh, Ian, was one of the two Tory peers who was uh, convicted of expenses. Yes. He claimed depression, um, but uh, it wasn't enough for the judge to, um, to to let him off jail, as it were. He had to go through the, through the, through the due process. Tony, the, the, the £53,000? Yes. Th- there are ch- there's a chance she might not even have to pay that back, is that right? Uh, that is that is correct. Although the the Crown Prosecution Service is looking into that, uh, they've said that uh, the CPS will now determine whether any other course of action might be taken in relation to recovery of the funds. Uh, the House of Commons is looking at the implications of the jury's findings and will consider carefully what further steps to take. Um, we've spoken to the Taxpayers Alliance, uh, who said that they're looking at perhaps pursuing a civil claim against Margaret Moran. And um, a local to- Tory councillor from Caddington, Richard Stay, says he's been talking to them as well and perhaps might go into alliance with them uh, to pursue the civil claim. Um, of course, she does have the money. She did uh, make quite a nice profit from the sale of her Luton home. She obviously owns this house in Spain, which she uh, shares with her brother. Um, so uh, we'll see. I mean, the, the only thing in, in her defence is that she has repaid... Well, she repaid £64 in cleaning expenses. Oh, that's not so bad, then. Uh, yes, and she also paid £6,000. Um, but it doesn't quite uh, add up to £53,000. And uh, a lot of people in Luton uh, think that she should repay the money. I think that she should pay all the money back, that if she has actually um, fraud- made it fraudulent and... Regardless, she should recompense the council for her actions. And it's, it's not doing the town any good. The, the morale in the town of the people is really bad. You, you think even now her legacy still sort of yes. lives on? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Luton hasn't got a very good reputation as it is. And she's just dragged us down even further again now. Well, I needed her help and she didn't have, even have the courtesy to return my call. 
So you think she should pay the money back? Yes, I do. Do you think she's brought the town into disgrace? Well, she's brought herself into disgrace. I do seriously feel that Margaret Moran should pay back the money which she misappropriated from public funds. I think it's totally disgraceful. The same law should apply to everybody. If you take funds that are not legally yours, you should repay them if you're found to have actually carried out that crime. It's a crime as far as I'm concerned. And after all, she does have the money. And after all, she definitely must have the money, yes. Definitely. Uh, she's, as far as I'm concerned, she's stolen it. She's got payback. Uh, I think she should be prosecuted for it. It's theft. Uh, Tony, w- what happens this morning? Well, I think there'll be a backlash, whatever happens. I don't think people have forgiven her for appearing on dispatches uh, when she was supposedly off ill in March 2010. Uh, I spoke to her in, uh, at her office in Southampton when she was off ill as well. Um, whatever happens, discharge, uh, uh, sectioned or, or supervision order, people aren't going to be very happy. There is still a matter of a tribunal early next year. Former workers are taking her, uh, claiming unfair dismissal. And uh, But we'll see what happens. Um, Mr Justice Saunders is due to sentence her this morning at Southwark Crown Court. Nine o'clock, just under three hours' time, Ian. Tony Fisher, thank you very much. Back to bed, is it for you, Tony? Well, I'm... I'm, I'm well... Are you still in bed? Are you still in bed now? No. Are you doing this report from your bed? I am. I am in the kitchen, (laughs) next to the washing up. Thank you, Tony. (laughs) I tell you what, it's Fleetwood Mac weekend in my house. Yeah, it's Fleetwood Mac weekend. We're going to have some albums, not just rumours. We'll have a bit of Tusk, and we'll have the album before rumours. And we might even watch a couple of live DVDs. Yes, my wife. That's what's happening. Fleetwood Mac weekend in the Lee House. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... Do you think that there there are some jobs you should only be able to do if you can speak English fluently? And if so, which ones? We've had a tweet from Chris Knox. Postman. I get asked on odd occasions by postman where a street is. English isn't their first tongue and the street isn't far. Now, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, but... I had six letters delivered to my house yesterday that were delivered to the wrong house. The wrong street, the wrong number. What's that all about? My postman is 14 years old. He's a post boy. It's ridiculous. Here's a song you don't hear very often. Leo Sayer, Moonlighting. Here's a question. Why? Leo Sayer was huge, right? He was huge for a minute. He could have been as big as Elton John is now. What, what went wrong? He played Madison Square Gardens, for goodness sakes. He was massive. And then disappeared. Now, if you're out and about in a cafe or restaurant, do you have your phone on show on the table? I do. I, I do. I kind of leave it on the table. I think, well, it's on the table. It'll be fine. I can see it. I've oftentimes left my computer and the phone on the table and nipped off to the loo as well. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you might want to think twice if you do. Thames Valley Police says more than 100 mobile phones have been stolen in central Milton Keynes this year because thieves swipe them off a table or a phone is left behind. I've seen um, some very clever people. There was a, a, a restaurant I was in in London. And I was there with a friend and suddenly the woman at the table next to us went, Oi! Oi! Get, get off! She was effing and jeffing. I won't do that now. That would be inappropriate. And what was happening, there was a guy stood next to her, and he was trying to sell her postcards. Yeah, right. Trying to sell her postcards, and while he was doing that, he covered her phone up and tried to nick it, and she spotted it. Well, anyway, Central, uh, the Thames Valley Police is running Operation Discreet in the new city to warn you not to have your phones and bits and pieces on show. 
Our reporter, Jessica Cooper, has been out on patrol with police community support officer Emily Kent. So we've got a gentleman um, just at the side of us. Uh, he's got a mobile phone out on the table um, and he's just left it there. He's talking to his friend um, and he might not be aware that there's people out there that are willing to steal his mobile phone right under his nose. Mm. I think, I, I mean, I've done that quite recently. I, a lot of people, I imagine, don't even think that they, it's an issue having their phone on the table because it's in front of them and they can see it. So are we really doing anything wrong if we do that? Well, no, we're not doing anything wrong, but the crime figures are going up in regards to mobile phone thefts, and we want to make people aware, you know, mobile phones cost excess of, you know, five, six hundred pounds nowadays, and it's all about reducing the cost for everyone, as well as the police as well, because a lot of time and money goes into resourcing the mobile phone thefts and investigating it, looking at CCTV, taking statements, so it takes up a lot of time and money for the police, but also a lot of time and money for the people that have actually lost their mobile phones. I've just walked past. Uh, a, bu- a busy coffee shop in central Milton Keynes again spotted somebody with their mobile phone straight in front of them so again your message to them is that you are a target yeah definitely I would say you know walking past a, co- a busy coffee shop these offenders or you know people that are out there to steal mobile phones will notice that so I've come into the, the coffee shop now to speak to the man who we spotted with his phone on the table mm-hmm. but Richard did you think about putting your phone down or was it just a habit just a habit just take it out of the pocket look on just look at facebook and so on so yeah so it's just down in front of you yeah. are you conscious of where you're putting it oh, of course yeah i always put it in front of me but i never leave it on the table unattended so mm. the people that are taking these phones are clever and they can fool us in a way that we don't even realize do, yeah. do you think that that would be enough to make you put, keep your phone in your pocket pretty in tune and just got my wits around me and I see you walk past with the, uh, the police officer as well so yeah, I've got my wits around me We've just walked further up the shopping centre to another coffee shop and here uh, there are no phones on display so does that mean people here are more sensible? No, I would definitely say it's more opportunity um, right now there are no f- mobile phones but we could walk away and five minutes later there could be a new customer that sat down at a table and left their mobile phone out so a lot of it's opportunity for us to go and speak to the customer or um, get the coffee staff to actually go and you know, advise people of you know, the phone fests that are happening in Central Milton Keynes. Jessica Cooper speaking to Emily Kent, Police Community Support Officer. Have you had your phone nicked? How did they do it? Was it simple, you just left it on the table and you looked and it had gone? Was it a sneaky bit of pickpocketing? How did it happen? And did you get in touch with your insurance company and did they pay out? Because the insurance companies, they can be a bit sniffy about mobile phones, can't they? You kind of have to tick a couple of boxes on your premium if you're doing it on your contents. 08459 455 555. Have you had your phone nicked? And did the insurance pay out? Also on the show, when you were... Can we speak to some pregnant women? If you're pregnant now, do you want a boy or a girl? Seriously, in terms of kids, which are better, boys or girls? I I would have to say boys, particularly from a dad's point of view. It's kind of nice, yeah, I I wanted a girl. And it's easier when they're younger. But as a dad, when my girl got to 14, 15, 16, I don't think I could bear it. Oh, I can... Because I know what boys of that age are thinking. Filthy devils. Boys or girls, which is best? 08459 455 555. Be honest as well, parents. Be honest today. 
call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, yes. It is. Morning, coming up in the next half an hour, are there jobs which should, uh, you should be banned from doing if you can't speak fluent English? If so, which ones? 08459 455 555. The Labour leader, Ed Miliband, is to say today that people who can't speak English fluently should be banned from taking some public sector jobs. And pregnant mums, you are secretly hoping for a girl. Yeah, not a boy, a girl. Figures by a parenting site show 45% of mums favour girls, but just 22% want boys. When you were pregnant, and this is mums and dads, I know, did you want a boy or a girl? Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Are there jobs which you should be banned from doing if you can't speak fluent English? If so, which ones? 08459 455 555. The Labour leader, Ed Miliband, is to say that people who can't speak English fluently should be banned from taking some public sector jobs. He'll also say that some aspects of the last Labour government's policies were mistaken and that not enough has been done to integrate people who've settled into British society. Well, reporter Simon Thompson is looking into this story. Morning, Simon. Hi, Ian. Good morning. What is uh, Mr Miliband expected to say about immigration? Well, he'll, of course, let's not forget, Emiliband's parents were immigrants, uh, Jewish immigrants fleeing the Nazis uh, before the Second World War. He'll say that people with poor grasp of English should be banned from taking some public sector jobs, such as home helps. Now, he'll also say at the same time that more should be done to help those immigrants learn English. So he'll suggest that councils should cut the amount of money they spend on translation services, translating English into a variety of different languages, and instead uh, spend that money on improving access to language classes. Now, he'll also argue that Britain lacks a comprehensive strategy for integrating immigrant communities, something he says that most other countries, Western European countries, have. So this is a change from Labour's past approach, then? Well, the last Labour government uh, from 1997 to 2010 was criticised for leaving immigration, really, to to sort itself out. Uh, It had a very open-door policy, almost, uh, at our borders for a time. And and Ed Miliband today will talk about what he sees as some of Labour's mistakes. Uh, We know that under the last Labour government, net migration rose and attitudes to immigration hardened, particularly amongst uh, Labour core voters. Uh, In 2010, of course, uh, Gordon Brown, during the election campaign, called that uh, uh, that bigoted woman, Gillian Duffy, uh, who challenged him on immigration, representing, echoing the views of many, perhaps the concerns of many, and, and showed perhaps how the government seemed to be out of touch with its voters. Now, uh, today, Ed Miliband would admit that Labour did perhaps too little to tackle segregation in our communities and, and really left immigration to sort itself out. He'll say in his speech, we, we know there's anxiety about immigration and what it means for our culture. The answer, though, he'll say, is not to sweep it under the carpet or fail to talk about it, nor is it to make promises that can't be kept. It's to deal with all the issues that concern people. What kind of jobs do you think Ed Miliband is referring to when he says that people should be banned from some public sector jobs if they can't speak fluent English? Well, it's not clear exactly which jobs he's talking about, but the hints such, such as perhaps home helps or others that perhaps have a, a day-to-day contact with members of the public, it, it, that's what he means. Those jobs in which you're working on behalf of, uh, of the government or councils, you have day-to-day contact with people and where English and communication is vital, and yet you, are, you have a struggle to be able to communicate uh, properly in English. What's the coalition government's position on immigration? 
Well, the government's taken a very, hard, at least in theory, a very tough line on immigration. It's wanted to cut the level of net migration, that's the numbers of people coming to this country compared to the numbers of, of leaving, uh, to below 100,000 by 2015. Uh, now, figures released just last week show that the, the level of immigration has fallen to the UK, down from 242,000 to 183,000 in the last year to March. And this week, Theresa May said that from next April, border staff will question more than 100,000 people uh, rigorously to root out abuse of the visa system. We know that visas are being issued by some education establishments uh, questionably uh, and as a way to get uh, people into the jobs market here in the UK. So the government's taking a tough line. It seems that Ed Miliband has decided he has to toughen up his, his uh, at least what he says in public anyway. Simon Thompson, thank you very much for that. Well, it, it's over to you now, dear listener. What do you think? Are there... Are there jobs that you shouldn't be able to do if you can't speak English fluently? And if so, what do you think they are? 08459 455 555. David and Marsh Farmers texted in. Doc- doctors and nurses should not be here if they can't speak understandable English. My mum lives in a care home, and l- I would say the majority of people who work there are foreign nationals. Lots of Polish, lots of Japanese, oddly. Yeah, I know. Uh, and um, uh, most of them speak excellent English, fluent English. But there are some that my mum, and there are, my mum's not that old, she's, she's 62, I think. Uh, but there are older people there. Uh, uh, and there are a lot of voices that are struggled to be understood by some of the residents. But the job these people do, I'd imagine it's minimum wage. It, it, it's it's going to be pretty low pay. And it's a pretty grim job. If you've ever been into a care home, they have to do... They have to do everything you know everything the dirtiest jobs you can imagine they can do and i do think that that there aren't that many british people who would who would do a job like that who would want to do a job like that for minimum wage which is kind of why you do need immigrants to come over and and do these badly paid quite grim jobs that a lot of british people don't want to do oh eight four five nine four double five five double five are there jobs that you should only be able to do if you can speak fluent English? And what do you think those jobs are? Girls v. Boys, who's the best? Uh, a study has come out saying that, uh, expect to mums, they want... Well, <laughs> girls or boys? Let's have a look, see what you think. Lorna Fl- uh, Flittick has said, uh, Morning in. I have five children. In order, two girls, one boy, two more girls. We did not want to know the sex of number one. Hubby and I wanted that to be a surprise. I couldn't do it. I could not do that. Being in a room where there is a nurse who can see and there is technology available to let you see, I, I, I would love to have been able to. Um, but I just couldn't do it. Baby number two we could not see, says Lorna, and by the time babies three, four and five came along, we wanted to call Bump by their name. I'm glad I have my girls and my little boy. Turns out you all want girls. You all want girls. I wanted a girl. Until I found out we had a boy, and I was like, yeah, we've got a boy, brilliant. That'd be great, fantastic. But up until then, I wanted a girl. And when the second one came along, I was thinking, oh, I really want a girl. Found out it was a boy, superb, wonderful. And I've got two boys, and they're great, and I love them. And it was my boy's first Christmas show last night. Uh, They did Peter and the Wolf, and he was a flower, and he was excellent. He was excellent. Dressed up as a flower, loads of face paint on. Wonderful. He fell asleep in the back of a car, uh, and he, he, he's, he went to bed covered in face paint and holding on to his willy. They do. No, they do. They, seriously, if you've got boys of a certain age, they don't let go of it. How do you get them to let go of it? <laughs> At least I've managed to, to encourage him to keep his trousers on now while he's doing it. So it's, it's hand down the trousers as opposed to trousers down. Anyway, maybe giving a little bit away too much of my life. What would you prefer? If you're pregnant, if you, when you were pregnant, what did you want? Girls or boys? And are you? And here's the thing. 
I've got two boys, and people say, well, you're going to try for a girl. No. Once you start playing that game of, well, let, let's just have one more, and maybe we'll get the girl. One more, maybe we'll get the boy. Once you start playing that game, you are in trouble. Because you could have four, five, six, seven kids. Have you done that? Have you done that thing where you've had two boys, or three girls, and you've gone, should we have one more? Just try and get one of the others, shall we? Should we do? That's, a bit, that's a weird reason to have a baby, isn't it? Because you want one of the other sex. I would go as far as to say that's a little bit irresponsible. That's not the reason you should be having a kid. Because you've got two girls and you want a boy. You've got three boys and you want a girl, so you're going to try and have another one? Really? If you did that, I would, I would suggest there is something wrong. 08459 455 555. Do go to the Facebook page as well. Have a little argument with the other listeners about it. If you're scared of, of tackling me, go and tackle the listeners. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Play nice on there though. Get feisty, but don't get rude. Well, this week, a Christmas song who's been added to the Three Counties playlist. It's joy. It's given to us uh, courtesy of that marvellous team, the BBC Introducing Show. It's by Mr Speaker, a band from Letchworth Garden City. The song is called It's Christmas Time, and it says on my screen, it's a Christmassy song. Yeah, it's called It's Christmas Time. I was kind of assuming that. All the money raised from it goes to the MS Trust. Find out more at facebook.com forward slash Mr Speaker Live. Shall we have a listen? All right, then. It's Christmas time by Mr Speaker from Letchworth Garden City, raising money for the MS Trust, an excellent charity. Find out more on facebook.com forward slash Mr Speaker Live. And to hear more music from the three counties, tune in to BBC Introducing tonight from seven. And you can hear excellent stuff like that and other local bands. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Now, boys versus girls. Pregnant mums are secretly hoping for a girl. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Would you like a cup of tea? Do you want to sit down? Can I touch your bump? They do that, don't they? <laughs> you get blokes. Can I, can I touch your bump? Or sometimes they don't even ask. They just, I can never touch a woman's stomach that I barely know. They do. They go, oh, no, don't touch a woman's stomach. Don't even ask if you can touch a woman's. Can I touch it? No, of course you can't. It's a stomach. Hands off. Do you want to sit down? No. Figures by parenting site Netmums. Oh boy, oh boy, you don't want to get on the wrong side of those. You don't want to upset the net mums. You don't want to say that maybe they're a little bit power crazy because they go mental. Um, figures by parenting site Net Mums, uh, based in Watford, shows 45% of mothers favour girls, but just 22% want boys. But how true is this for mums locally? Reporter Serena Farrow went to visit some at Riverbank's nursery school in Harpenden. Everybody says, I don't care what it is, as long as it's healthy. But I really believe the woman refer. A little girl and a man with a, a boy. But I'll say my boy's a boy boy. <laughs> only He's a lad. I, yeah, yeah, it's only because I've kind of I was brought up that way and that's the way I want to be brought up. But then I've got a friend of mine, he wants to bring his girl up you know, kind of rough and tumble games. Tomboy type. Tomboy type, yeah. I definitely like having one of each and I love having a daughter because I was very close to my mum. I just want my daughter to be close to me. We go close shopping. Even though she's only three, she kind of runs around and chooses the most ridiculous thing. 
the bond between a mom and her daughter is very special. It's nice to have a daughter to share clothes, which is what I did with my mom. When I was younger, I confided in my mom for everything and I want that with my daughter. And I think a son's different. They'll go towards the dad more. And they're not, they're not talkers like girls, whereas my daughter will come to me for that kind of emotional support. And in South Africa, any differences there? A lot of people will carry on going until they have what they want because caesareans are very common in South Africa. You can actually choose to have a caesarean as opposed to a natural birth. So you have big families over there? Oh, yeah, because they also have like full-time health. Most of them can have like three, four children. Some of the moms that I know, like working moms, so they just wanted to have children and that's their life. I come from a culture where boys are preferred. The boys keep up the family last name, so it's very patrilinear. A lot of the moms have to keep trying until they get to a boy. Uh, and when I was born, and this is family tradition, they named me a boy's name. Um, it's like a myth. <laughs> you get a girl and you name her a boy's name and then you end up getting another boy next time. <laughs> and your husband wanted a girl. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually, um, which I haven't felt with, with the boys, it's almost like I'm fighting for his attention. Like you almost feel sometimes jealous because there's another girl in the house. Because you know what mommy doesn't like? What? Me having sweeties. I know. Daddy has got Kinder Eggs. BC Counter Radiator. <laughs> Beep. CBB's Free Counties Radio. Wow, there you go, Max. Thank you, Max. Could be, listen, I'm off over Christmas, Max. If you want a gig, I don't know who's filling in for breakfast. Why don't you come and do it, Max? Excellent stuff. Well, Becky Minogue from Harpenden isn't following the trend. She, in fact, desperately wanted enough boys to make up a football team. Morning, Becky. <laughs> well, not quite a football team. Good morning. Uh, why, why were you so keen on having boys? Um, I suppose I'm a bit of a tomboy myself. Um, the, I have a fear of uh, teenage girls. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> a, a little bit. But also, I saw how my... My husband and his brother are with his mum, and they're so lovely, and, you know, big cuddles, and I just, I thought it was an mm. exciting thing to have boys. You're right, I think it, the, the boys are closer to their mums, and yeah. girls are closer to their dads. That's certainly what I found, I was very, very close to my dad, not that I wasn't to my mum, but I was always very close to my dad. How, how many kids have you got, and what are they, what make? Uh, what make? Um, I have one boy, one girl, the boy came first. Okay, and are you, are you happy to stop at that now, or do you want more boys? I think I'm happy to stop where I am. If we have more, then so be it. But you uh, know how it happens, don't you? Well, I know. Well, you said having lots of girls. I know. <laughs> no, but you, well, there are there are all these wives' tales as well about how you get a boy and how you get a girl. I won't go into them in the radio. They're quite graphic, but <laughs> there, there are different things you could try within the the confines of the bedroom. But you're you're, you're happy with the two. If more pop along, that would be great. So be it. Yeah, I, I was genuinely shocked when I had a girl second time. I, I uh, you say all the way through pregnancy. I don't mind what I have. Um, and I and I really didn't mind what I had, but I think I was quite shocked when I got a girl. You, there aren't apparently there aren't that many girls being born in Harpenden. I uh, know you can see that in all the baby groups. There's an awful lot of boys around. Why is that? I don't know. Say, ask you, why, why, how would you know, Becky? But it does. Uh, it does. Yeah, I think I think there, there are more boys being born around. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Do your friends share the same view? Do they want girls or boys? Well, it's not something you really discuss once you've got what you get, what you get. Yeah. You're very happy with it, so... And how old are the kids? Um, Cameron has just turned four last week, and Hazel is um, 17 months. Oh, so you're, you're online for probably the best Christmas so far, a four and a 17-month-old. It's quite exciting so far. Is, is, the, is the tree up? Um, no, no, we're, we're heading, heading away for Christmas. So. Oh, lovely. Fantastic. Well, listen, have a wonderful time with the kids, Becky. Thank, Thank you, you for much. coming on. Thank you. <laughs>
morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm in a good mood this morning, I'll tell you why. Google Maps is back on my iPhone. Yeah, oh, yeah I know. I was, I was driving in, and I was listening to Radio 4, no, uh, 5 Live, I do apologise, and they said, oh, Google, the Google Maps have just been released for, for Apple. Remember they, when Apple relaunched their new operating system, they got rid of it, and the world was in uproar. Well, the world can calm down once more, because I, there's a map system that actually works and actually tells you where Luton is. Superb. Install it in Mediamore. Lots coming up between now and 8 o'clock, including former Luton South Labour MP Margaret Moran, who fiddled her expenses claims, will be sentenced today. She won't receive a criminal conviction as she couldn't stand trial for mental health reasons. But should she be forced to repay the money? 08459 455 555. If you can't speak fluent English, you should be banned from doing some public sector jobs. That's what Labour leader Ed Miliband will say today. What do you think? Do you agree? Are there jobs which you should be banned from doing if you can't speak English properly? If so, which ones? And have you had your mobile phone stolen? More than a hundred have been swiped in central Milton Keynes this year because thieves steal them off tables or the phones are left behind. How did thieves distract you? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 81333. You can text and start your text 3CR. Oh, and there are a couple of lines free now. This is the best way to do it. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is something you're, you're, you're definitely going to have an opinion on, and I'd, I'd love to hear it. Margaret Moran. Give us a call, 08459 455 555. Not Margaret Moran. I mean, she can if she wants. I doubt she will, but she's welcome to at any point. The former Labour MP for Luton South, Margaret Moran, who was found by a jury to have fiddled her Commons expenses, will be sentenced at Southern Crown Court, Southwark Crown Court today. She received more than £50,000 through false expenses claims, including over £20,000 to dr- treat dry rot at her Southampton home and £14,000 to install a new boiler. Keir Gale is the Labour councillor for Luton South. Joins me now. Morning, Keir. Morning, oh, and look. thanks for promoting me. I'm not the councillor for Luton Ooh, South. That's, I do apologise, Keir. That's Gavin Shuker's constituency. I apologise, Keir. Who, who <laughs> on earth I'm, are I'm you the then, Keir? I'm councillor for South Ward in Luton. There we go. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, how do you think people in Luton feel about Margaret Moran now? Um, I, I think for some time now, um, people in Luton, particularly in Luton South, have felt let down um, by her, her actions and the decision of the jury last month um, bears that out. They, they came to the conclusion that she had deliberately fiddled her expenses. She's not going to receive a criminal conviction because she couldn't stand trial for mental reasons. Should she still be forced to repay the money? Well, the, the judge heard um, medical evidence about her, her state of her mental health. Now, um, you and I weren't privy to that evidence, so uh, we don't know exactly what what, what it was that that um, precipitated that. But um, you know, the, the law says that she she wasn't fit to actually stand trial. Nevertheless, her case was heard, and um, and and she was found to have fiddled her expenses. Now, in in an ideal world, anybody who deliberately um, defrauds. Uh, the public or anybody else for that matter i think should pay pay the money back the question we have here is is whether the court is empowered to actually do that 
How much trust do you think that, that we as, as a nation have in politicians now after things like this? It, it has sort of kind of died down. I think trust was perhaps starting to come back. And then we get the Margaret Moran story. Then we get that she's not well enough to stand trial and she won't actually be prosecuted. Do you think trust is slipping away again, Keir? I don't think that's anything to do with politicians. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I'm a politician and, you know, I think we do sometimes shoot ourselves in the foot in, in terms of um, the, the, the levels of trust we have. We're up there with estate agents, aren't we, and, and bankers in terms of, you know, the love of the public health. I don't think it. you're quite as bad as estate agents, <laughs> but yes, you, I would say on a par with bankers. Um, and, and, and that's unfortunate, but... But in this particular case, this, this isn't a, um, an issue of what a politician has done. The initial um, uh, fraud that Margaret committed, you know, that was something that a politician did and a number of politicians did um, that, that brought our profession into disrepute. Um, but what happened last month was that a court heard evidence of the state of her mental health and the court came to the conclusion that she wasn't fit to stand trial. And... I think in a civilised nation, we, we have to take account of, of people's health. But you can understand why people are, are, are and yes, that's, that's what the, the, the court proved, of course, and we have to stand by that, but you can understand why people are perhaps scratching their chins slightly and, uh, and are, are angry about this. I can understand why people are, are angry about what Margaret Moran did, and um, there, there may be a question around what, you know, whether, whether the power, powers of the court are appropriate in this case. But you, you, what can't you understand? Um, I, I, I am still dismayed. I think it's, 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 it's the, the, the way that the, the media has continued to, um, to pre- present this. We had the, the furore um, a, a few weeks ago over the pictures that appeared in the press yeah. of, of Margaret um, walking her dogs, going to the pub. And the implication there that a number of the papers had um that if she was capable of going out to the pub she couldn't really have been ill and mm. um you know i know from my own personal experience that that depression just doesn't work like that mm. um but you, you can understand how, how people in the public i don't think it's, it, it's necessarily the media people in the public are suspicious uh, and are angry that, that that justice doesn't seem to be being served here well, I think it's, it's, it's partly a question of, of what do we do as a civilised nation, um, you know, when, when people are unwell. And we don't know what brought on Margaret Moran's illness. We don't know whether it was related to, to, to these issues or not. Um, I, I, don't, I don't understand why it is, to be honest, that um, having been found to have committed these offences... Uh, she's she's not able, therefore, to to be given a, a more solid um, sentence. But that's that's the way the, war, the law works. Keir, have, let, let's speak to Richard Stay. Stay there for a second, Keir. Richard yeah. Stay is a Bedfordshire Conservative councillor. Stood against Margaret Moran in the two thousand and five parliamentary uh, elections. Richard, have you got um, any sympathy for Margaret? Uh, morning, Ian. morning. Um, not a lot, um, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I, I do have some sympathy with with, uh, with, with what's just been said. But um, I think I think if I was a Labour councillor from Luton, I'd be very cautious about expressing uh, any sympathy for what Margaret Moran has done. I mean, she she has committed, in effect, uh, one of the worst uh, 
she's not she's not been convicted of criminal act but um, she certainly committed it and i think she has done enormous damage to uh, people's confidence in their ability to trust politicians and i think you can separate out the two issues of one was she fit to stand trial and the second question is as taxpayers can we expect to get our money back um, on the former, I'm, 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 I'm with Keir on, on, on the fact that neither he or I or you um, are probably, probably, um, uh, properly, uh, uh, properly. Um, We're not privy to the to the medical information that the judge yeah, that, received. That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a court decision which I'm perfectly happy to accept. But you can separate that out from I want my money back. You want your money back, and I think there's fifty three thousand pounds there that ought to be paid back into the into the taxpayers' um, uh, coffers. Keir, Richard, makes, Richard makes a good point, doesn't he, Keir? We, 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 I want my money back, please. I think, well, well, I think what Richard said is, is right, that, we, that um, we should expect to be able to have our money back, or can we expect to have our money back? Um, and I, I suspect the answer to that is, is no, we can't expect to have it back. Should we have it back? Yes, of course we should but have we, it back. But if we don't get it back, then that, that is why, isn't it, Richard, people will be angry because the justice that they perceive perhaps hasn't been served because she couldn't stand trial but it but it, that with notwithstanding people want their money back and they have a right to be angry don't they richard well to make a wider point here as local authorities on a regular basis we are pursuing people who have for um knowingly or otherwise um overclaimed uh, relatively small amounts of benefits so we are taking people to court for often several hundred pounds worth of overclaims on benefits and there are very, very serious consequences if that doesn't happen. Now, we're talking £53,000 here. I mean, on the basis that uh, Margaret sold her Luton um, home for um, a very considerable amount of money. She's got a house in Southampton. She's got a substantial villa in Spain, which she's apparently been to very recently. It, it is not, it is not uh, broke. I think it is in, entirely reasonable to expect the court to say that she's not without um, the means to repay the taxpayer plus interest. And I think at that point, we'd allow her to retire gracefully to somewhere um, where we don't have to speak to her again. Richard Stay, Bedfordshire Conservative Councillor, thank you very much. And uh, Keir Gale, thank you very much indeed. Well, what do you think, dear listener? I guess the question is, how much sympathy do you have for Margaret Moran? 08459 455 555. We just cleared those two lines. So there's a couple of lines free. Excellent time to give us a call. How much sympathy do you have for Margaret Moran? She won't be going to prison. The only options available to the judge today are a hospital order, a supervision order, or a complete discharge. But do you think she should be forced to pay back the money? And Keir's right. There have been pictures of her going to the pub and uh, out and about, and depression doesn't work like that. You know, you can have a good day and then you can have a really bad three months when you can't move. Um, So we don't know. But do you have... Sympathy for Margaret Moran. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. We're, we're talking about Margaret Moran, who um, will be sentenced today. She can't actually have a custodial sentence. But do you... How much sympathy for her do you have? 08459 455 555. Ophelia is in Luton. Good morning, Ophelia. Morning, Ian. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about Christmas. <laughs> and, I, and I'm feeling a bit tired today, and I've realised why I'm, why I'm feeling tired. It's because I'm, I'm here next week, and then I've got a week off. And I've kind of... I've taken my foot off the accelerator a little bit too early. Oh, you know when you've got a break... One. You know you've got a break coming up, and, and you just kind of... Just, just pull back a little bit. I've done that. And it means next week's going to be blooming hard work. It will be, but you'll be enjoyable. Uh, but it's going to be... We're going to have some fun. Now, uh, Ophelia, Margaret Moran, how much sympathy have you got for her? I've got none, Ian, because she's come out quite well. 
what's been missed is that Margaret's committed a crime, and that's not what's being said because that's what fraud is. Mm. Okay, that's what she's been found guilty of. Well, now this is the thing. This is the thing where we have to tread very, very carefully, Ophelia. And I was questioning this this morning. We can't say she was found guilty. I don't know. It sounds weird. Yes, she fiddled her expenses, but because she wasn't there and for various other reasons, we can't use the word guilty. Okay, but let's not forget. I feel that Margaret has, um, there's a two-tier system. Because of who she is, mm. okay, in comparison to Joe Bloggs, um, public Joe Bloggs, right? Oh, what's Joe Bloggs done now, Ophelia? But the thing is that it's the average person whose name isn't known like her. They would have been treated or been found guilty in their absence because of mental health. But she, but Ophelia, don't, don't you have any sympathy for her? She, she's mentally unstable. Listen... Ian, she's got, she's done very well. She's had very good defence lawyers to put forward her, her side of how she is. Anyone who has, um, you know, like Margaret, you and I, who enjoy our liberty and our freedom in the yeah. community, yeah. okay, having to think that you're going to be in a little small cell for a period of time with other undesirables that are locked up, okay, would cause anybody to have mental health. But we and don't... in fairness, I don't know what the specifics and the nature of her mental health is. This is the thing, but isn't I it? I would have mental health as well. We, we, haven't, we haven't been privy to the information that the judges received. That's true. But, Ian, I'm going to be honest with you. Be honest with Which me, Which person in the community would do anything to um, avoid jail? To be honest, you need to consider what would be served by her going to jail. I don't think that much. But one of the things is this. When people commit fraud or, you know, obtain money yeah. by unreasonable means... Their assets are frozen. Well, I tell you what's interesting. I've got a friend who's been to prison. I know. I know who'd have thunk it. And he knows naughty people. And he's told me about men that have had breakdowns because they were facing prison. And they've tried to commit suicide. And they've had been in terrible mental states. And yet they've still been sentenced. Of course, that's what I'm saying yeah. to you. There's a two-tier system. And somebody has to convince me. One of the listeners out there has to convince me otherwise. OK, Phil, well, maybe someone can do that. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Richard's in Dunstable. Richard, well, uh, do you have much sympathy for Margaret Moran? But Richard, um, Richard, are you using a phone or an old cardboard box to communicate with us? Old cardboard box. Are, are you on speakerphone or is it up to your mouth? I tell you what, Richard, we'll, we'll have to come back to you because that's an awful line, mate. Dear Father Christmas, please send Richard from Dunstable a brand new telephone because that's blooming awful. Richard, we, we will uh, try and get you back on a slightly better line. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you have much sympathy for Margaret Moran? We, the, the, the thing is, we don't know what, what the information was, do we? That the, the, the judge has seen from various psychiatrists and psychologists and whatever. But, yeah, I've got a friend who, who has been, uh, who's done bird, he's done time, and, yeah, he was saying that he has seen grown men, you know, bre literally have breakdowns, tried to kill themselves because they were facing a prison sentence. They still got sentenced. They still went to prison. It's interesting, isn't it? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. We'll try and speak to Richard a little bit later on. Now, if you go into a cafe or a restaurant, do you immediately get your phone out and put it on the table? I do. I do. I, I always have the phone just, just on the other side of the cup of coffee. You never know. Well, because of that reason, Thames Valley Police says more than 100 mobiles have been stolen in central Milton Keynes this year. It's running Operation Discreet to warn restaurant owners and customers not to have their telephones on show. Well, earlier on, we heard from PCSO Emily Kent. 
We're basically advising people um, not to leave their mobile phones on tables when they're eating in restaurants and bars and clubs and even coffee shops. You know, watch out for table sellers, people that are going to come around and ask for directions or whether they're going to uh, sell your flowers. Nick Wenham runs the Picture House Cafe in Newport Pagnall. Morning, Nick. Morning. Is this a problem you've noticed, Nick? People having their f- their phones stolen or, or leaving them behind? Yes, very much so. Um, fortunately, not stolen in uh, in our cafe, but certainly they seem to just, as you said, just leave them on the table, uh, have their coffee, and they're in a world of their own, particularly if it's first thing in the morning. Mm. And do they always come and get them back, or have you got like a big box at the back of the in the back room for the phones that no one's claimed? Well, no, we haven't got a box, unfortunately, with uh, loads of spare phones, but we do certainly get about, in the eight years that uh, we've had the cafe, I suppose we've had about 15, 16 phones left. Um, Do you think a police operation like this will help? These things always sound good, but I'm I'm always slightly suspicious of how much attention people pay to these, these kind of campaigns. I think that it's a good idea because people seem to uh, forget very quickly how much they've spent on buying the phone. And, of course, the cost if they don't get it back are huge, particularly if they have a contract where they're having to pay for the phone for the next 18 months, even though it's gone. So, um, yes, I think it's a good idea to make people more aware that uh, they wouldn't leave four or five hundred pounds on a uh, cafe table, but that's probably what uh, that phone's cost them. Nick, in your cafe, I'm assuming you get couples and you get families and, and, and all that kind of coming. Do you notice more and more, when it is a family or a couple, more and more people, instead of having a conversation, they're like texting away, just updating Facebook, tweeting. Are, are people becoming more and more obsessed with their phones, do you think? Yes, very much so. Um, particularly with the Facebook, they've both got, they've all got their heads in their respective phones. I think it's quite sad when you see a, a family, three or four people, and they've all got phones, mm. and none of them are actually talking together. They're all on their phones. I'm really trying to cut down my mobile phone usage. I'm, I, I've, I've deleted a couple of email accounts. Uh, I'm, I'm using it less and less. It's, it's, it's banned at our dining table. No, no mobile phones are allowed at the dining table. Uh, it kind of makes me wonder what we did about 15 years ago when we didn't have mobile phones. I guess, I don't know, maybe we had conversations and things. Yeah, I think that it certainly kind of boshed that slightly, um, although I find that the, the, the older generation seem to still have conversations, and that's always nice to see. But even some of the older people, they're getting bombarded with their texts, and mm. uh, they're starting to use them more and more. But I think the biggest uh, problem is the uh, Facebook-styled sites and also the tweeting and uh, this this is definitely causing a problem i mean i must admit i shudder to think what would happen if i had the time to be tweeting every 10 minutes don't get involved nick don't get involved it's like a bad <laughs> drug it has business is everything going well at the picture house yes very well very well fortunately um but uh, as you said i think uh, they're lucky in a way because when people do leave a phone because we're a small operation we tend to see if anything's left and it is always amazing me how much people do leave behind we are able to retrieve the phones put them behind the counter um and also of course usually uh they're left unlocked 
so that you can go straight in, look in the address book for home, and usually put in a call to the home number and leave a recorded message saying, don't panic, we found your phone. Nick, you're doing a good job. Nick Wenham there from the Picture House Cafe in Newport Pagnell. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Margaret Moran, how much sympathy have you got for her? Pat in Houghton Regis, how much sympathy have you got for Margaret Moran? Very little. Very little. Why is that? She's, she's mentally ill. There's a lot of people out there. If you saw the Panorama programme last night, where people were being evicted from their properties because of the current climate and the sad families that had nowhere to go, and then you look at Margaret M- Moran, who's got a few houses... And um, she uses, really, she's she's in Parliament. It seems like there's one law for one, one for the other. And she's got the properties to pay that back. So, I mean, she has got properties in Spain and all over the shop. Do you, what, what are you saying? That she should be forced to sell one of those and, and, and pay the £53,000 back? But if she isn't forced to sell one of those, you know, this, this society we've got is completely bent. It's wrong that people that have tried to work all their life and suddenly they have a bit of bad luck because of the recession... They don't get much chance to recover from this recession and they lose everything. They actually probably have got mental issues through what's happened to them. And Margaret Moran, a, a decent thing is for the judge to say, you must pay this money back. You've got plenty of houses You've, all over the country or in the world, whatever. She's got to do something like that. And her mental issues, if she can walk a dog, she might have mental issues, but she should realise that what she'd done was wrong. And if she realises it's wrong, then she should also say, as a, a politician, I'll pay my money back. But she hasn't even said that. And that's disgraceful. Uh, Pat, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455. Too slow on the fingers there, Laura. Too slow on the fingers. Laura, my producer was trying to type me a message and she, she went all over the place. Uh, 08459 455 555. How much sympathy have you got for Margaret Moran? You have to remember, she is, she is ill. She is, according to the judge and according to the, the reports that he has seen, I've not seen them, I don't know what they said, according to them, she is mentally ill. Possibly quite severely. So maybe we should ease off a little bit. Stop hassling her. Keir mentioned earlier on that the, the media are kind of going for her. Perhaps we should just take the... Just give her a little bit of space. 08459 455 555. How much sympathy have you got... For Margaret Moran. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half an hour. Are there jobs which you should be banned from doing if you can't speak fluent English? If so, which ones? 08459 455 555. We sent our reporter Victoria Cook out in Bedfordshire to find out what you think. We'll hear that a little bit later on. And when you were expecting, did you wish for a girl more than a boy? We'll find out why modern mums say they do have a preference. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. And I tell you what, after eight, we'll see if we can play a little clip of the Boxing Day show that Jonathan Vernon-Smith and myself recorded yesterday, the festive face-off. I use the word show, I mean, it's, it's, it's two hours of, of rambling nonsense, but, but no, 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 I think it's good rambling nonsense. 
Uh, we came away chuckling and feeling very, very sick because there was a round. I won't go. Into, I won't give away too much, but there was a, ra- a round that involved a lot of food, and we got very competitive about it. I felt awful that evening. I had such bad indigestion; it was terrible. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can find a clip of that to play maybe a bit later on. Now, are there jobs which should you should be banned from doing if you can't speak fluent English? If so, which ones? The Labour leader, Ed Miliband, is to say today that people who can't speak English fluently should be banned from taking some public sector jobs. He'll also say that some aspects of the last Labour government's policies were mistaken and that not enough has been done to integrate people who've settled into British society. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Victoria Cook has been out and about finding out what you think. No, really. I mean, if you can go on anyone, then, you know, the job's yours. I think it's about personality. Yeah. Yeah. We're asking people, do you think there's any jobs you shouldn't be able to do if you don't speak fluent English? Perhaps sort of teaching or, or something like that, or where in, in some sort of customer service roles where uh, sort of public service sector jobs, um, yeah, but that's about it. Do you ever get frustrated when you try to go and use a service or a shop and someone doesn't speak English? Um, I've never really come across it that much. Um, I'd, I'd say the majority of cases people can, can get by, so it's not been a problem. Yes, I think they should. Such as what? Uh, well, you shouldn't be an air traffic controller, for one. I think so. I think it's also what you can bring to the job itself, is, um, you know, by perhaps your other bits, your other tasks and things like that. I think English is a very, I think it is very important that they can still communicate, depending, of course, what it is that they're doing. If they're doctors, and I think they have to have a very good, you know, knowledge of the English language. Yeah, it's true. We, there's a doctor we see. We don't see him anymore because he gave us he gave us completely wrong advice once about our baby, wrong and dangerous advice, and so we don't go and see him anymore. But also, and I don't want to sound like my mum, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. He had such a, a thick accent; it was really difficult to understand what he's saying. And I guess that that when you're getting medical advice, you want to be able to understand what this what the doctor is saying. Uh, it, it, the reason we don't go is because we couldn't understand what he's saying. He gave us wrong and dangerous advice. And the day that he gave us wrong and dangerous advice, he took a phone call in the middle of the consultation and was giving advice to someone down the phone. I don't think so. Oh, no, I don't think so. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Mums to be, or mums and dads thereof. When you were expecting, did you wish for a girl more than a boy? Well, pregnant mums are secretly hoping for a girl. Figures by parenting site Netmums, based in Watford, shows that 45% of mothers favour girls, but just 22% want boys. Well, Siobhan Freegard is the founder of the website who carried out the research. Good morning, Siobhan. Good morning. Why, why do mums want girls more than boys? Well, what's interesting about it is that for, for probably hundreds of years, it's been thought that to have a boy is, is the sort of the more... Um, to, to have a boy is something to be proud of, you know, to have an heir and, and to, to give your husband a son. So for, it's... it's this is actually something that I think has probably never come to light before, that actually women mm. secretly, it, maybe secretly in the past, and maybe only now because of the sort of the women's revolution, that we're actually able to say, yes, I want a girl. But I actually understand why, and I think um, for the same reason that the same study has found that men 
would like to have a son um, this is during pregnancy now not necessarily after the baby's yeah. born but in pregnancy women want a little girl and boys men want a little boy um, and I think that's just because it's what we identify with you know I used to be a little girl I understand little girls um, men understand boys they think about bringing their son to football and teaching them you know all the things they used to do as kids whereas we imagine their hair and playing with dolls it's funny because didn't quite work for me because my daughter lived in a Chelsea tracksuit for the first Ten years. Well, there you go. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because I wanted, I did want a girl. Uh, oh, but, but yeah, I know it. I did. Uh, and then we had boys, and that's wonderful. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. But, but I always thought, and this is that the, the, the kind of girls were closer to their dads, and boys yes. were closer to their mums. Well, that's really that is what where the twist in the tale comes. Because although we may want um, a daughter, and and men again, obviously not everyone, and and um, you're not an exception. It was, you know, but there is a large, larger yeah. number of men who would prefer to have a boy. But actually, when the, child, when the children have arrived, when they're a little bit older, um, there is this mummies, boys and daddies, girls. Yeah. And actually, a, a similar study that we did shows that actually mums think they're harder on their daughters than they are on their sons. They expect more from them. They sort of, they don't let them get away with quite as much. So lots of kind of conflicting emotions going on here. Well, my boys are three and one. And already, even the one-year-olds, or they will be in January, the, the one-year-old is already completely a mummies boy. Oh. Completely. Don't, don't make that it's noise, Siobhan. They're just gorgeous. That's the wrong, that's the wrong. <laughs> noise to make. My, it was my three-year-old's first Christmas show last night. He was a flower. Oh, it was wonderful, Siobhan. A Christmas flower. He was a... You just always cry. Oh, yeah. There were tears in my eyes. There were a few tears in my eyes, oh, yes. you just can't not. And it's... when they sing, when all these little children oh, sing man. together, it's just, just melts It's the kind heart. of thing, four years ago, would have sickened me. No. But now <laughs> it's my kids. Yes, well done. That's and my are boy. They, are they really much more intelligent than all the other oh, children? Oh, of course they are. Yeah. Of course they are. <laughs> so am I. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, d- d- you do hear, don't you, about uh, families where they get, you know, like four boys. Should we try one more time for a girl? That's a dangerous game to play, isn't it? You've got three of one and you, you let's just keep going until we get the other sex. Yeah, and actually it's, it seems to be one of the main reasons that people do go on and again, really? the same research um, uh, uh, over 20% of people say that they actually have gone on to have other children in order oh, to try dear. and have the, the, the sex of the baby that they want. That seems um, like a, quite a cold reason to have kids. Yeah, but I suppose it's a, a, just an emotional response. I always wanted that daughter. I always wanted that son. Mm. Um, and actually, the sad part of this research, the sort of the, the deeper part, is that 4% have never got over the disappointment of having the, the baby now, that they didn't want. Isn't and it funny you mention that? I had a, fr- a friend, someone I worked with once, and we were talking about kids and stuff, as you do. It's always, if you, once you've got kids, you're in this club, and it's a conversation starter. And he had a little girl. They didn't know what it was going to be until it was born. And it was a little girl. And when he ca- the girl came out, it was like, oh, fantastic, it's a girl. And then he said, I'm just going to pop out for a minute and he went outside and cried because it wasn't a boy yeah that's yeah, really sad really sad and and i hope that you know very quickly he will have come around as most of these parents yeah. said very you know it was a very um short-term disappointment and then it became the baby or the the child or or whoever as a, in its own right as opposed to a sex but there are these people who never quite got over the disappointment and and for them there must be something deeper going on and i would say they really should tell somebody and reach out for, for some counseling because there may be there was a lady in the paper this week who had told everybody i don't know if you saw it that her daughter was a boy no for, i missed for, that yeah for maybe two i think it was two 18 months or oh, something dear. because she had been sexually abused as a child yeah. and was trying to protect her daughter. Mm. Um, so, you know, often there is something deeper going yeah. on, so it's worth going and finding out. Is it true that if you have IVF, you're more likely to get a boy? 
I don't know. <laughs> Come on, your, ne- your, your mum's net. You know everything. No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> Find a doctor. Go and ask your doctor. I <laughs> no, will do. I, you I'm, like him, don't you? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> he gave us really dangerous <laughs> advice about our baby that was wrong. My wife came out going, I don't think what he told us was right. I'm going to take him to the hospital. And, and thank God we did. Oh, Otherwise, we'd have been in terrible trouble. Yeah, I, I, it's, it is really Siobhan, what, what have you got? Um, I've got two boys and a girl, so I've got a nice mix. And how old are they? Um, oh, they're older now, oh. 16, oh. 13 and 10. Now, this is the thing but that worries me. I have me. to say now, I believe that all children should be born girls. <laughs> well, this is what, this <laughs> is what worries <laughs> me. I don't want... Th- I mean, these boys, they're three and one, but they're going to be taller than me, they're going to be louder than me, they're going to be hairier than me. I don't want two teenage boys in my house. That terrifies me. Yeah, I have to say, teenagers is a whole... I'm waiting for someone to start a website now called, you know, Teenagers Help, Help Got a Teenager, yeah. because I don't it want is to a do whole it, Mum. different world. I mean, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I don't know where teenagers oh, are from. Oh, dear. And then there is that thing as well. I, I, I did want a girl, but that, uh, and having a girl up until about the age of 12 would be fantastic. But when they get 13, 14, 15, yeah. and the boys start becoming interested, because I know what 15-year-old boys think. Yeah. I was one. It's not nice. <laughs> and I wouldn't want those boys even looking at my no, daughter. No, I know. I'm still, I'm just on the cusp of that. Yeah. So, um, where, and I do find it's easier to let my 16-year-old out in the evenings. Um, I don't worry too much about it, yeah. but I imagine I will when it comes to her turn. It's funny, though, isn't it? Uh, Siobhan, listen, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Uh, Siobhan uh, Freegard, the founder of Netmums, which, let's be honest, Netmums has, has taken over the world. Um, it's based in Watford. 08459 what, what, what do you think? What do you, are you expecting? Are you, are you secretly hoping? And I know, hey, yeah, as long as it's healthy, I don't really mind. But w- what do you want? You must have a preference. You must have a preference. It's, it's not possible. Uh, yeah, as long, whatever, as long as it's healthy. Okay, that, that to one side. Do you want a girl? 08459 555. Ed Miliband is going to speak today, saying that uh, the, the people in public sector jobs should be able to speak English fluently, and if they can't, they shouldn't be getting those jobs. What do you think about that? Are there certain jobs that you have to be able to speak English fluently to get? Joyce is in Leegrave. Morning, Joyce. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Joyce. What do you make on this, please? Yes, he's quite right. He's quite right oh. on this instance. <laughs> what jobs do you think you shouldn't be able to get if you can't speak English fluently? Well, I think as well as speak English fluently, you should be able to understand English. Oh. And also, the different cultures... Um, it's very difficult, e.g., I don't think people should be sent into people's homes as carers, um, one-to-one, because uh, they may speak English, they smile, and they're lovely people, but do they understand uh, legs, legs of tables, your legs, and also cooking? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Yeah. Back up a little bit. (laughs) You were banging on about legs and legs of tables and my legs. Yeah, oh, not your legs. Whose legs? <laughs> what le- to, I don't want to know your legs. <laughs> what? You, oh, you might have got lovely legs. I've got, I, actually, I've got horrible legs, and if I could change any part of my body, it would be my horrible bandy legs. But, Joyce, why are you talking about legs? I'm confused. What no, don't when, they understand when about we, legs? When we talk about when mum or any older person with a stroke who can't speak yeah. uh, properly, and they know, they've got all their faculties, yeah. uh, legs of chairs... Um, do the legs. There was something wrong what? with mum's table leg in right. the bedroom. Yeah. And she was trying to say, mum was trying to point and gesticulate and say, ah, oh, that is, you know, the, the carpet's up there or something I shall fall on that leg of the table. What? But she, she thought it was my mum's leg. She didn't realise tables had legs. But the, but the, <laughs> Joyce? Yes? You, 
<laughs> what culture doesn't know that tables have legs? <laughs> well, that's it. Let's prove it. Also... <laughs> also, um, talking about culture and English, yes. eating it... Yes, Um prepared the dinner, left yep. the notes, exactly um, what man was having, yep. um, put the cabbage to um, soak in water yep. after cleaning. Of course. Ready oh. to do that. Delicious. She shredded mum's cabbage up beautifully yeah. to give it to her as lettuce. Now, culture, understanding English, yes. caring, yeah. mum can't Words. speak, the person can't speak, no. and um, chips. I don't know whether <laughs> I'm on the old-fashioned regime. Yeah. <laughs> Where? I'm sticking with this all morning, yes. Yeah, not frozen, but we used to cook a potato, a peel of potato. Peel of potato. Prepare the potato as a chip. Yes. Blanch it, that's part, cook it in fat. Okay, we finish at nine o'clock this morning, Joyce. Yeah, 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 you'll enjoy this. Um, And then you put it in hot fat and they're chips. But she was actually boiling chips. Well, there you go, Joyce. We got there early. You can't boil chips. I am intrigued. Which culture... Which, I make my own chips. Being told no one makes their own chips. I make my own chips. Oh, yes, I make my own chips. I don't don't deep fat fry them. I do them in the oven. But, okay, here we go. You get potato, you peel it, you chop it up, you put it in a bowl, bit of olive oil, a little bit of salt, shake it all about, put it on a tray, in the oven, 20 minutes, the best chips you could ever get. Which culture doesn't know that tables have legs? I'm intrigued by that. Can someone fill me in there, please? Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, quick question. I'm having an argument yes. with my team here about chips. Do you make your own chips? Yes, I do. There we go, you see. The first person. And how do you do it, Sophie? Uh, the same as you, but I always put a little bit of paprika on the Oh, there we go. Juicy. Sophie Tyler, thank you very much indeed. If you make your own chips, can you back me up on this? Sophie's a young person as well. 08459 455 555. Do you make your own chips? Yeah, I know, completely change. We're getting rid of everything we've talked about so far, and it's making your own chips now. I want to be proved right. Let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Make your own chips, Elizabeth. Good morning, Ian. Yes, no. You, you don't? No, I, 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 Ian, I work full-time. Oh. I have a two-year-old child, oh. and I've got one eye on the radio. I don't have time it doesn't take. Me. It doesn't take any time, Elizabeth. What did they invent oven chips for? I'm coming round to your house. I'm going to show you how to cook chips, all right? Give us the weather, <laughs> be, for goodness sake. I'll sakes. be round at Sophie's eating her paprika chips. Oh, they sound nice, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, weather, sunshine at this time of year is quite weak and wintry. It's quite rubbish, really, but, uh, but at least it'll be dry. Don't diss the sunshine, be... Elizabeth. <laughs> rubbish sunshine. It'll be nice and bright. Go make your own it? chips. <laughs> Have you finished? Go, yeah, go and read bye. a book on chips. Bye-bye. I fell out with Elizabeth Rossini. <laughs> that was an unexpected turn of events there. Jonathan <laughs> Vernon Smith, back this morning from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. We uh, recorded our, our Boxing Day special, the festive face-off yesterday, and uh, thank you to uh, Laura and Kelly and Ollie and everybody, and Tim and everyone that helped with that, because it was uh, ample scoring, although, to be honest, it was more of a hindrance. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, and It goes up Boxing Day between seven and nine in the morning. It, it uh, <laughs> I think it's quite quite good. It's a mess, but I think you'll enjoy it. We'll see if we can play a little bit a little bit later on. I think we might have got a, a minute that we can broadcast uh, a bit later on. Can you give us a call if you make your own chips? Deep fat fry them, put them in the oven, whatever you do with them. You make your own chips, don't you? It's not that difficult. I haven't got the time. It doesn't take any time. And they're so much nicer. Yet on occasion I'll have the oven chips. I can never cook oven chips properly. I can never do it. 
There's always some that are a bit that, that still taste of potato and some that are burned. Whereas these chips, don't even peel them. Keep the skins on. Yeah, nice. Chop it up, wallop, in a bowl, bit of olive oil on it, bit of uh, nice olive oil as well, bit of salt, bit of black pepper, whack it in the oven, 20 minutes, superb. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. On perhaps a slightly more serious note, Margaret Moran. <coughs> Excuse me. Have you got any sympathy for her? She gets sentenced today. She can't go to prison. The worst that will happen is she might get sent into a hospital for a while. Any sympathy for her? David says, I have a serious health problem at the moment, which has signed me off work for several weeks, and I expect several more weeks yet off work. However, it does not mean I have to be confined to my home 24 hours a day, and I've been encouraged to take short walks in the fresh air as part of my recovery. So I don't expect Moran to have to stay indoors. However, I do expect her to pay the money back. She was found to have received it illegally, so why should she not pay it back? Marina has emailed. 3CR at bbc.co.uk. I no longer have any respect for any of the MPs who fiddle their expenses and got away with it. And there are dozens between all parties. Um, we're being treated like morons with no intelligence. Do they really think we've forgotten? It's not a level playing field from Marina. Oh, eight four five nine. I've got a sneeze. No, it's gone. Oh, dear, I nearly sneezed. It's still there. No, it's gone. Uh, Richard is in Dunstable. Good morning, Richard. <laughs> Good morning. We can, uh, we can hear you now, Richard. We had a terrible, <laughs> terrible line. <laughs> um, what I was going to say, no, yes. no, no sympathy for her whatsoever. The, the feeling I get from the many people I speak to is that she should be nominated for an Oscar, as well as her makeup artist, artist as well. I don't have no sympathy for any thieving politician whatsoever of any class. And um, I, th- I and many, many others strongly believe that there will be an immaculate conception. I mean, um, a recovery in, in, you know, in about 12 months. So, Richard, she has been um, uh, assessed and studied quite mm. in depth. I mean, we had a solicitor in um, talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Th- th- these are trained medical professionals yeah. who will have studied her. The judge has seen the evidence. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. Oh, are you, are you saying you're dubious? Not. No, but... But um, money, 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 money can buy anything, can't it? Persistently, fifty-three thousand pounds worth. No, sorry. Um, as I said, the feeling locally is that there will be an immaculate con- uh, recovery, and you keep talking about an immaculate conception, Richard. Leave well, that alone, well, you mucky pup. I mean, you know, um, we we have to con- consider her, where her roots are, mm. and the fact is that, um, as I say, this has been going on for a long, long time. And uh, the the fact is that, uh, that she she could go to probably end up in a villa in Spain, writing on a House of Commons notepaper, telling the locals that they can't come on to uh, the, 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 their driveways to get into their properties. Richard, thank you very much for that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We've not been privy to the information the judges had. Maybe if we saw that, we might feel a bit differently. Well, JVS will be continuing to discuss this on his phone in at nine o'clock. The big question today is, is it unfair to punish Margaret Moran? This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Labour leader Ed Miliband will say today that people who don't have a good grasp of English should be banned from taking some public sector jobs. He'll address some of his party's mistakes on immigration, but will also argue that Britain lacks a comprehensive strategy for integrating immigrant communities. Joined now by Professor John Salt from the Migration Research Unit at University College London. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. What's the solution, then, to this this lack of integration? (laughs) 
the solution to the lack of integration is a, a two-way movement by by both sides. I mean, um, both migrants and host populations have to effect some kind of compromise. There is no simple solution. The most important um, way that integration can take place is, first of all, for everybody to be able to speak the same language. I mean, all the evidence from across the world is that migrants integrate better and get on better in societies that they join if they've got a good grasp of the language. Would you agree with, with Ed Miliband that, that there are some jobs where if you can't speak fluent English, then perhaps you shouldn't be working in them? I think that's absolutely essential. I mean, can you imagine going to see a doctor or being in hospital and talking to a nurse who didn't speak your language? Mm. Uh, for, for many face-to-face jobs, it's absolutely fundamental that people can speak uh, g- g- uh, you know, good quality of English. Uh, the only exceptions, I suspect, are or might be in some professions, say branches of engineering, where in, in essence there is, uh, they, they have their own language, there is, there is a, a sort of professional technical language which uh, uh, makes it probably less important to be able to speak uh, fluent English, but... Um, if, if you are in, in a particular country, then uh, you ought to be able to get on and speak the language anyway. Immigration does seem to be a difficult issue for Labour, doesn't it? Why is that? Well, I, I don't know whether it is or not. Um, the, there are various reasons why uh, the uh, influx of uh, Eastern Europeans came in after 2004. As you probably know, the UK was one of only three countries which allowed more or less unrestricted access but what the Labour government did do was to bring in the system that the uh, the current government is now fine-tuning that's the points-based system uh, and uh, no doubt the uh, you know the, the whole question of, of um, students and sponsorship for example was being solved as part of tier four so the present government has has, has taken on the, uh, the the system and developed it uh, with obviously the objective of reducing net migration totals uh, Professor, thank you very much for that indeed. That's Professor John Salt from the Migration Research Unit at University College London. I- I'm going through Twitter because I'm trying to find a message that someone sent me. We're asking, what jobs um, shouldn't you be able to do if you can't speak English? Joe has tweeted, all jobs in England. Now, I see, I disagree with that. We had a load of building work done by a load of Polish builders. Two of them spoke English, the rest of them, not a word of it. Not a word of English. Didn't matter. I didn't need to speak to them. The boss did it all. So, didn't make any difference to me at all. That's okay, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, wait, 459. 455. 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Um, Oh, look at this. Anna in beds. I cooked a massive load of homemade chips last night. They were the best chips ever. Had them with sausage, egg and beans. That's a proper supper. And my producer has tweeted um, about not making chips and said, no one bothers to make their own chips, do they? Apart from me and Lee, back me up on this. No one on Twitter is backing her up in the slightest. The, the, The internet is melting with the number of people... Pete Cooper, I make my own chips in the oven. I even make my own French fries, wedges and sweet potato chips too. John Walvin, I do skinny, fat and square. There we look at the... the you, you completely embarrassed yourself, Laura. Embarrassed yourself. We're going to be late for the news as well, just to humiliate you. Everyone makes their own chips. <laughs> I'm now being told that political reporter Paul Scoynes makes lovely chips. Triple cooked. Takes all day, but worth the wait. Fantastic. We're going we're, we're to cook chips on the show next week. 
chips and breakfast, all classy. Here's the news now with Catherine Boyle. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Catherine? Yeah? Do you make your own chips? Of course I do. Nice one. Everyone does! Don't bother making your own bread, though. That takes forever. You can buy bread, but chips, make your own chips. It's what we'll get at 8.30 after the news, we'll get Catherine Boyle's top chip tips. Gotta <laughs> be careful saying that, haven't you? It could have come out very, very awkwardly. Top chip tips with Catherine Boyle at 8.30. Also on the show this morning, former Luton South Labour MP. Sorry, I'm not laughing at that, I'm laughing at something else. Former Luton South Labour MP Margaret Moran, who fiddled her expenses claims, will be sentenced today. She won't receive a criminal conviction as she couldn't stand trial for mental health reasons. How much sympathy do you have for her? 08459 455 555. If you can't speak fluent English, you should be banned from doing some public sector jobs. That's what Labour leader Ed Miliband will say today. Are there jobs which you should be banned from doing if you can't speak English? If so, which ones? And every Friday, we like to end the show with a bit of music. We've had a brass band, a drum circle, a vocal harmony group, a harpist. Today, we have a Vena player. Ah, I'm not telling you what it is. You'll have to keep listening, but I'm very, very excited about it. Want to get in touch? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send a text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or a couple of lines free, 08459. Four double five, five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Former Luton South MP Margaret Moran is due to be sentenced today after a jury ruled she'd fiddled £53,000 in expenses. These included false claims of £22,000 to treat dry rot at her Southampton home and £14,000 on a new boiler. Well, earlier on, I spoke to Keir Gale, who's a Labour councillor in the Luton South Ward. He says getting her to pay the money back wouldn't be straightforward. Well, the the judge heard um, medical evidence about her, her state of her mental health. Now, um, you and I weren't privy to that evidence, so uh, we don't know exactly what what, what it was that that um, precipitated that. But yeah, the, the law says that she, she wasn't fit to actually stand trial. Nevertheless, her case was heard, and, and she was found to have fiddled her expenses. Now, in, in an ideal world, anybody who deliberately um, defrauds uh, the public, or anybody else for that matter, I think should pay, pay the money back. The question we have here is, is whether the court is empowered to actually do that. Well, that was earlier on in the show. Now, Tim Finch is the Director of Communications for the Institute for Public Policy Research. Morning, Tim. Good morning. How low is, is public trust in MPs as a result of, of Margaret Moran and some of the other high-profile cases regarding expenses? Well, I think it would probably be fair to say it's at an all-time low. Uh, I mean, trust in, in politicians has never been particularly high, but there, there's a biennial survey carried out by the uh, Committee for Standards in Public Life. It, it did a survey in 2011, which is obviously after the expenses scandal, and found that uh, trust in MPs in general was around 26%. Now, that figure's been fairly constant and hadn't gone down uh, particularly over the years 
um, prior to the expenses scandal, but they did see, perhaps markedly, a drop in trust in local MPs. People often used to say that they didn't trust MPs in general, but mm. they, they liked the MP they knew. But they had seen a drop in that from uh, around sort of 46, 47 percent in previous years to just 40 percent. So only sort of four in ten people saying they even trusted their local MP. Now that could be expenses, or it could be that a lot of people came in in 2010 who were new MPs, and people just didn't know that MP as well. So we we can't put it all down to expenses. Do MPs earn enough money? Is that is that why some of them kind of may have seen expenses as a little bit of a perk of the job? Well, I, I think we've got to be absolutely clear that uh, if you didn't, you don't think your salary is high enough, and you therefore sort of cheat your expenses to get a bit more, you get sacked, and that, that's right. If you feel, feel you deserve more money, then you sort of lobby your boss, don't you? Or perhaps if you're in a union, you go on strike for some more money. You can't, you can't use your expenses to get more money that way. But there, there, are, there have been some questions about whether MPs are sufficiently well paid. They're paid around um, sixty-five thousand pounds a year, which is a lot more than the average salary, it's not which bad, is about is it? twenty-four thousand. But of course, they are eminent people and com- their, their, their pay in comparison with other people uh, other h- top earners has not been going up as high and interestingly IPSA which is the body which looks after their expenses and, and is quite strict about it these days has recommended that it should go up to nearer 92,000 a year. Now that, that, that would put, put them much closer to the sort of pay of people like chief executives of councils and things mm. like that never mind pay in the private sector but it would certainly mean they'd shoot up the international scale. I mean, I, I, I think it's right to say that MPs, given that you know they are quite eminent people, are not particularly highly paid. But by international standards, British MPs are not badly paid at all. Well, do you know whereabouts we are in the uh, in the League of European MPs in terms of? Well, in, 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 in Europe, there are some other um, uh, countries that pay uh, MPs more, notably Italy, where MPs right. get paid nearly £100,000. Yeah, I bet they year. do. Uh, Iceland, they get quite well paid, and, and Austria and, uh, and Ireland as well, where we are above. But, we, but, but uh, British MPs are paid slightly more proportionately than Germany, France, Spain, other countries like that. So it's not clear that, uh, that our MPs are you know, that much worse off by comparison um, with MPs around the rest of Europe. Tim- has the expenses uh, situation been sorted out now? Does the system work better? Uh, well, it's much, much stricter. Uh, so all the sort of things we didn't like, like uh, the large amount of money that uh, people could uh, claim for a second home, this business of flipping, the fact that they didn't have to account for uh, expenses uh, below £250, the employing of 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 wives and 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 children and things like that all of those things have been tightened up considerably and 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 perhaps the main thing is it's just much more transparent i mean you can find out what your mp is claiming for now i mean if any one of the ironies if anything is that this this body ipsa uh is actually not liked at all by mps who regard it as very very strict i think they think that it's all gone a bit too far the other way but 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 i think i think most mps recognize they have to put up with this it's a bit like even if you if you're if you've done something when you're a kid and you did something naughty and your parents grounded you you know you you, you can't sort of argue well it's a bit tough mum uh, immediately after you've done it after a while you might say well the rules are a bit strict here can we relax them a bit but for the moment mps have to put up with them there have been so many scandals recently tim in, in different areas of life and it feels like no one trusts anyone no one trusts mps no one trusts the bbc no one trusts newspapers what have mps got to do to to try and regain some trust well, I think they'll just have there'll have to be a longish period 
where we don't have one of these expensive scandals again. And of course, you know, as, as well as Margaret Marianne being sentenced today, it's not more, much more than a month that we had a Labour MP uh, in Rotherham having to resign Dennis McShane because of his expenses. And there's a by-election there. We've now got the culture minister embroiled in allegations of of, uh, of, of cheating her expenses. I, I stress allegations. Yep. Uh, so uh, now these are historic cases. They all relate to things um, before uh, the, the before this whole period when the expenses scandal hit. What we've got to hope is that n- nobody in the 2000 intake uh, gets caught up in this. And so far, I don't think there has been one of those. Uh, and it will just need a long period where that doesn't happen. But I think we need a bit more than that. I think you know, if you look at uh, trust and confidence in MPs being a historic low, and you look at things like turnouts. I mean, just just what you know. Here's a, here's, a, here's a thing to ponder on. In the 1951 election, 82 percent of people voted. In the, the most recent elections, and obviously it wasn't a general election, but for uh, police commissioners, we got a turnout of 15 percent. Mm. That shows you something about how much people uh, feel as though they sort of trust our democracy. So we ne- we and I think one of the problems here is not just things like expenses. It's that we're living through this ex- prolonged economic crisis, and it, it would appear that the politicians just don't know how to get us out of it. And so uh, I think there is a sense that people just think, well, the people who are high up in our world, the bankers, the BBC, the MPs, uh, they just quite don't quite know what they're doing. They're struggling with big problems and they don't have solutions to Tim them. Finch, thank you very much for that. Tim Finch, Director of Communications for the Institute for Public Policy Research. The reason we're talking about expenses again, of course, is Margaret Moran uh, is due to be sentenced there. She can't go to jail because she's mentally ill. How much sympathy do you have for Margaret Moran. Stephen's in Watford. Morning, Stephen. How much sympathy have you got for her? Morning. I've got absolutely no sympathy for her at all because I spent um, a period of time in jail myself and um, I was supporting people whilst I was in there and I heard a nice good few stories about people that were in fortunate behaviour. Yeah. And um, as normal public, they were sent down straight away. They have mental health issues. Um, they get them dealt with whilst in jail. Um, but there's, there's no question about it. They're straight away sent in. So did you, higher... Stephen? Sorry to interrupt because it's, it's not a particularly great line. Are you saying that, that in jail you uh, saw people who were in there for fraud and who, who were mentally ill? Yes, that's true. And how did that manifest itself? Um, well, the, the whole uh, basis of it was that they knew that they were mentally ill before they went into jail, but because the support is there in jail, they didn't see no problem with questioning if whether or not they should go straight to jail. So you could you, you what what are you saying? You think it's it's kind of one rule for for politicians and one rule for for everybody else? Not just politicians. It's, it's more higher powers in general. If you've got a slight connection to somebody that's above normal everyday people, um, it seems that you seem to get away with a lot more. It's just the same things like with the whole Jimmy Carr uh, scandal and other people as well, not just politicians. Yeah, they just seem to get away with but, it. But whereas... I mean, Jimmy Carr wasn't doing anything illegal though. No, that, that's surely the fault of, 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 of that they should t- if they if people don't like the loopholes then they should close the loopholes. Yeah, that's very true, but it's, it's still the fact that they got away with that kind of stuff because if it happens in normal everyday life with uh, normal working people, they go straight to jail. It's, it's just but Stephen, you know, you know that if you if you had an accountant, right, you earn let's say a million pounds a year, and your accountant yeah. says, Stephen, listen, you're paying forty two percent tax. I've got a way that's legal. You only need to pay two percent tax. You would totally say yes, wouldn't you? Mm, oh, I, yeah, of course you would. Yeah, of course, yes. But of, in the sense still of the whole Margaret Moran thing, I just say I have 
people coming for bank fraud and other things as well. Yeah. And they've gotten uh, a good year sentence. Stephen, listen, thank you very much for that. You were, uh, the Jimmy Carr did nothing illegal. I, I felt kind of sorry for Jimmy Carr. Um, because you would, wouldn't you? Be honest. You get a million pounds a year. He earns more than that. And instead of paying 40% tax, 42%, whatever it is, your accountant says, right, I've got a legal way. You don't have to pay 42%. You're only going to pay 2% tax. Who, who is going to go, nah, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to carry on paying the full tax. No one is. Uh, from nine o'clock, JVS will be asking, how much sympathy do you have for Margaret Moran? I'm not wearing double denim. I will, <laughs> sorry, we'll discuss this in a second. <laughs> Getting carried away, ahead of myself here. In sport, England have made an early breakthrough to India's first innings, with Anderson bowling Verenda Sewag for naught with his second ball. I've got no idea, no idea what that sentence was. It made no sense to me. Should we do it? Let me do it again, hang on. England have made an early breakthrough to India's first innings, with Anderson bowling Verenda Sewag for naught with his second ball. <laughs> Have I, just, have I just said a rude joke? Is, is, that, is that a code? Is someone now being shot somewhere? <laughs> a short time ago, India were 9 for 1, chasing 3.30. Good for them. I'm not double deniming it. No, on closer inspection, to be fair, you're not. Do you think I'm ZZ Top or something? You're very light blue, though, aren't you? I'm wearing light blue. What's wrong? These jeans are going to go in the bin today. Are they? Well, I'll, probably get in the, I'll wear them all weekend. But look, there's a hole in that. What do you think? You're Jason? getting the maximum amount of use out getting of Getting my money's worth. I'm not Jason Donovan. <laughs> So they're going to be chucked in the bin. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, we bonded yesterday. Did we? Did we? Did we uh, didn't we? Well, yes, but I thought we'd bonded before. I mean, we went well, shooting together. That was all pretend, though. Yesterday was real. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought we'd genuinely bonded. No, no, not at all. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that was just like showbiz. This, 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 uh, we all... went out for lunch together. Yeah, but that was because our boss said we had to. <laughs> this, all of these bits we've done up, up till now have been an act... Because some presenters are good at pretending they? they're other presenters. That's how it works. But this, now we've crossed the threshold. Now we're friends. Now it's genuine, now is it? Now we're friends. We've exchanged the Christmas gift. Right. Of love. Yes. <laughs> they're going to love our uh, Boxing Day <laughs> show, aren't they? <laughs> I have never um, spent so much time on the lavatory after recording a show. I, w- without giving away too much, I ate a lot yesterday during that show. That mm. there was a round that involved who could eat the most food. And uh, it was. What are you looking at? I I, I think you've got something to play. Haven't I you? have a little. I have a little tease. Should we hear a little tease. Yeah, go on. This is. It's the the festive face off. Jonathan Vernon Smith, myself, Paul Scoynes. I'm not quite sure. Paul Scoynes was the quiz master. He's obviously never seen a quiz before. He got completely lost in it. He didn't know where he was. <laughs> no idea what the format was. At one point, I thought it was my grandmother who'd been wheeled in here. <laughs> so, th- well, this I've, I've got no idea what this clip is. Let's have a little sneaky peek. You're not playing the tune, you're playing the backing. That's your problem. That's your, that's your problem. Ten I'll, seconds. I'll, I'll hum over the top of it, shall I? Could you walk and talk at the same time? And it's my name that's on that jack. I'll pause that. I should explain what's going on, because otherwise it just sounds like random drunk nonkers. nonsense. There was a, a muse... Guess the... the um, name that tune round. Yes. That's what we're doing here. Yes. I'm playing the ukulele. Mm. Paul Scoynes is... We'll do your impression. 15 seconds. And you're trying to guess... 20 seconds. You're trying to guess what it is I'm playing. Let's continue. 
Let me call you a cab Standing in the front yard Telling me how I'm such a fool Bruno Mars Oh, I'll never, ever find a girl like you Bruno Mars You got me twisted You must not know me You must not know about me I could have another you in a minute Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute Baby, you must not know about me You must not know about me I could have another you by tomorrow Don't you ever for a second forget it's Beyonce An irreplaceable I, I don't like Beyonce well, that's, that's not my problem. Do you want one of my hits? Well, let's award the non-points. Non-points. He got no points. Thank you. Is that the William Tell Overture? It's correct. Wow, they're actually they're actually going to. Is that going to get on the radio? That's actually going out. That is much, much worse than I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> I had a sneaky <laughs> feeling. Buddha Mars. <laughs> Buddha Mars. I don't like Beyonce. Uh, Buddha Mars. <laughs> and you were very rude about my singing, I remember. It turns out I can sing. I've got a really nice voice. Oh, did you think? What's happening on your show this morning? Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, uh, we're continuing the discussion about Margaret Moran, Luton South MP, former Luton South yes. MP, Margaret Moran. Yep. I'm asking from nine, is it unfair to punish her? Uh, the former Luton MP, who fraudulently claimed more than £53,000 in expenses, was deemed too ill to be sent to jail, and she'll be sentenced later today. A prison term was ruled out in Margaret Moran's case on the grounds that she's mentally unfit. So the judge will be, uh, be deciding today between a supervision or a hospital order. Ms Moran, who is the MP for Luton South for 13 years, was found to have falsely claimed the largest amount amongst those MPs highlighted in the expenses scandal. But as she's deemed mentally unfit, and the fact that we live in a civilised society, today I'm asking from Nine, is it unfair to punish Margaret Moran? I want your views from Nine, 08459 455 555. Perhaps you think because she's mentally ill, she should just be... She should just be allowed to carry on. We accept the fact that because she's mentally unfit, we just have to kind of let her off the hook. Or, frankly, should she be locked up in a padded cell somewhere and made to suffer? I want your views from Nine this morning. Is it unfair to punish Margaret Moran? It's the big phone-in from Nine. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Thought you might. Uh, you're, here, you're here next week as well, aren't you? Yes. Me too. Yes. And then I've got a week off. You've got three weeks off. Yep. So I've only worked here three months. I think you've had about eight weeks off in those <laughs> in those three months. You're always off. Really? Well, you need to work on your contract. <laughs> you've got an excellent one. <laughs> I need to speak to your agent. I love you. I'll see you later on. Thanks very much. Ta-ta. There we go. Jonathan Vernon-Smith on at nine o'clock. If you want to get in touch with him now, send him a cheeky email. <laughs> when I say cheeky, I don't mean cheeky. I mean an email. Show at bbc.co.uk. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Picture the scene. You're out in a cafe, you're having a coffee, a croissant, maybe a cheeky little bit of tiffin. Uh, you leave your mobile phone on the desk, the table thing. Do you do that? I do. It's a bit stupid, isn't it, though? Because more than 100 mobile... Fo- I love Tiffin. More than 100 mobile phones have been stolen in central Milton Keynes this year because thieves swiped them off the table. Or you leave the phone behind, you muppet. Well, Thames Valley Police is running Operation Discreet in the new city to warn you to keep them hidden. We can talk now to Sergeant Mark Lacey. Good morning, Sergeant. Good morning. Why did you decide you needed to do something about mobile phones being stolen? Well, overall... Um 
crime is actually down, um, crime in general, and Thames Valley Police have been successful on focusing on the more serious kind of crimes like burglary, uh, violence, that kind of thing. But these sort of general thefts that tend to be opportunist crimes are something which members of the public can really have an influence on um, and stop themselves becoming a victim. Um, and yet it's something that people don't really think of. They There's nothing really wrong. Mark, you, are you saying that when you go and have a, a, a nice um, skinny latte, uh, that you don't put your mobile phone down next to it on the table? Well, I don't, because I'm paranoid myself, oh. because I investigate these reports. So I see these crimes happening, uh, and my team follow up the, the reports. So personally, I don't leave my phone on the mm. table, no. What kind of sneaky tricks are, are, are people doing to, to snaffle these phones? Well, it's, I mean, it doesn't always happen like this, but um, we have had a number of reports where people are distracted in some ways uh, while they're sat there by people approaching and either trying to sell something, ask for directions, get some kind of paperwork out, which yeah. they tend to put on the table. Um, and then as you shoo them away, they scoop up your phone from under the paperwork and, uh, and it usually takes a while before, before you're aware. I've that seen that one. I saw someone trying to sell someone some postcards and as they were doing it, they were trying to pick up the phone and the, and the woman went, Oi! Oi! Give me my phone back! And spotted it and the bloke was like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about and ran out as quickly as he could. Uh, so there, there is... Uh, how much of this is people just being silly and, and leaving their phones behind and, and forgetting them? There's probably an element of that, and, and certainly it's something which, um, you know, if you go out for a cigarette or nip to the loo um, and you're with friends, you might not think much of leaving your phone on the table and you think, well, oh, people will look after it, but um, they're probably not thinking about your property in the same way that you would. Mm. Um, and, and as I said, when you come back, it can sometimes be some time later when you realise, hang on, where's, where's my phone gone? Um, so there's certainly something that people can do to stop themselves being a victim. Mark, do, do, do operations like Operation Discreet, do they really make a difference? We all like to sort of nod and go, oh yeah, good idea, but do people really behave differently after these kind of operations? Well, we've had a positive reaction, really, because a lot of people just haven't thought about this. Um, so, I mean, you're not out to try and spoil people's uh, fun in the kind of party season if you're out and about, um, but what really would spoil your day is if you do lose your phone oh yeah uh, they're worth hundreds of pounds these days and of course you know you, you quite often have personal information phone numbers and things on there and it can be a, a real nightmare if um if this does happen to you so um so we're just out to to try and make people a bit more aware of their their property when they're out and about sergeant mark lacey from uh, thames valley police thank you very much indeed this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio chips it's all about the chips who makes their own chips? Who makes their own chips? Said Laura, my producer. No one does. Everyone does. The best people make their own chips. And stay tuned, because in about four minutes' time, we're going to get Catherine Boyle's chip recipe. Potatoes, I'd imagine, will feature quite heavily. Rosin Stopsley says, Talking about chips, I make my own, and I've got an air, f- an air fryer. It's the best thing I've ever bought. You can make <laughs> paprika chips, curry chips, parmesan chips. And only one tablespoon of oil. Happy days. You don't need any oil. Just put it in the oven. Beautiful. I'm going to try these paprika chips over the weekend. As uh, told to us by Sophie Tyler, travel expert. David from Marsh Farm says, Homemade chips tonight from my homegrown potatoes with home-laid eggs. Cluck, cluck. Well, there we go. And an email on uh, about Margaret Moran. 3CR at bbc.co.uk. Margaret Moran was in good health when she committed this crime and abused her position. She developed these mental health problems because she got caught. For every action, there is a consequence, 
and this uh, and in this case should have uh, this case should have her assets seized as a suitable punishment. Bob in Luton, and that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Don't go anywhere, Catherine Boyle. Beds, hearts, and bucks is keen to know. Uh, we've established you make your own chips, yeah. and that anyone who doesn't is, let's be honest, a bit of a loser. I mean, why bother? Hey! So, uh, what's your secret? What's your little twist you got, Catherine? No twist. They're just filthy fried chips Whoa. in the fryer. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Whee. If you're going to have them, have them. Uh, Catherine, mm-hmm. don't forget to get your mints out. <laughs> I won't. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text Charles for the Network Rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. She forgot to she forgot to get her mints out for her mince pies, apparently, and that's um, um, what that was. I don't know where that laugh came from. That was rather disturbing, wasn't it? Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, before the weekend starts, a new venture is being launched today by the Open University in Milton Keynes. It'll offer students free access to online courses. It's called Future Learn. In the next few minutes, find out how you could benefit. And every Friday, we end the show with a bit of music. We had a brass band, a harp, drum circle. Today, we've got a Vena player. Find out more in a few minutes. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, let's find out more about um, this uh, Open University venture that's being launched today uh, in Milton Keynes by the Open University. Of course, it will offer students free access to online courses. The project is called Future Learn. Well, let's find out how this project's going to work. We can speak to Simon Nelson. He's the chief executive of this project. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Ian. How does it work? It sounds a good idea. What, what, what's the plan? OK, so... Um we're going to be bringing together not only the Open University, but 11 of the uh, top universities uh, across the UK and more to come that we'll be announcing next uh, in the next month or so. And they will be offering a whole range of free open online courses to students anywhere in the UK or anywhere in the world. And people will be able to uh, enroll on these courses. There'll be a fantastic range of video um, as well as uh, social networking tools and social learning tools that will guide them through the whole process uh, and get them to the end of it, uh, having uh, learnt, hopefully, and had a fantastic experience uh, from FutureLearn. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. What kind of courses are going to be on offer? whole range of different courses. We're not announcing uh, which mm. ones yet. We're doing more work on that, uh, but we'll be back in... Uh, the first part of next year to give much more detail on how it'll look and what kind of courses we'll be offering from which uh, other universities. And when does it when does it start? When can I can I load this up onto my my Nexus or my iPhone and and, and start learning? Back end of next year, so second half of next year, we're hoping to get the first courses out there. How are you paying for for this, Simon? Because to go to pr- like proper university costs a fortune. So um, we we are so students won't have to pay to access these courses. Uh, we regard it as um, something that will uh, provide a huge amount of benefit to the Open University and all our partner universities in terms of uh, attracting students within the UK from the rest of the world in terms of showcasing um, what they can do and the brilliance of their academics all over the world. Um, and there will be a range of uh, commercial opportunities for the company that will emerge as long as we make a fantastic product that's very high quality and that students really enjoy learning. That's what I was going to ask about the quality of this. How comparable to, to paid-for courses will it be in terms of quality? 
Well, clearly, we're not just trying to replicate what happens on campus. Uh, we couldn't do that anyway. There's a, there's a whole range of benefits of uh, being in a full university yeah. experience on campus. But there's also a whole load of things that we can now do using the Internet and using the community uh, ability of uh, studying with a range of other people, with thousands of other people all over the world, um, and using different uh, tools and techniques that uh, the web now offers. So we're going to be doing something different, but it's going to be really exciting, uh, and it is going to be of the highest quality. We're not going to... Uh, put that second by any means. Simon, so, mean, I genuinely think this is a cracking idea. When you get it all sorted and it's up and running, would you come back on again? I'd be delighted to. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Simon uh, Nelson, who is the Chief Executive of Future Learn. Uh, I think that sounds fun. I love stuff like that. We, the thing is, I think education is wasted on the young. When I was at school, I did not want to be at school. I didn't want to learn anything. I didn't want to. I wanted to play on my uh, BBC Micro and mess around and fight. That's all I wanted to do. Well, not really fight, but like, pretend fights. Now I'm nearly 40, I want to learn. I want to learn stuff. I, I want to sit down and read books and learn things. I don't want to do exams, that's not going to happen. I do think there's a thing in just letting kids play, and then when they get to about 25, then we start educating them. Would that work? No, actually, I can see a massive flaw in that plan. 08459 455555. Former Luton South MP Margaret Moran is due to be sentenced today after a jury ruled she'd fiddled £53,000 in expenses. These included false claims of £22,000 to treat dry rot and £14,000 on a new boiler. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Victoria Cook has been out in the cold asking if you've got any sympathy for Margaret Moran. I have absolutely no sympathy for her whatsoever. It's our money. At the end of the day, it's our money, you know what I mean? I don't go out to work and struggle. While somebody goes and takes all that money. Uh, what do you think should happen to her? I think she should be taken to court and held accountable for it. I'm sorry, sickness. She wasn't si- too sick to be an MP, was she? I think she should pay the money back. She's got a few properties, isn't she? So I think she should be... She can't afford the paid back. One of them or more she be sold off to. That's paid back, I think. Do you think being sick is an excuse for not paying back £53,000? I don't think it is sick. I think she's putting it on. Somebody said she's been seen out and about, like, so... As someone from Luton, how does it make you feel that she was your MP? I think it's disgraceful, really. You kind of get what you give, don't you? What do you think should happen to her and the money? Just give it back. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, you know, there's a difference between legitimately fighting ways of doing stuff, but that was just pure robbery, wasn't it? So now money needs to go back and such... And she's putting it on. There's nothing wrong with it. Obviously, going for sympathy, but man out and take what she's got coming. When you see pictures of her coming out of the pub walking her dogs, does that make any difference? I feel sorry for the dogs. She's done what she's done. She's got away with it. She's abused her right, like everyone else. If that was us that did, if I went to work and claimed for all that and stole the money from me, I'd get sacked and I'd go to prison. You know, she needs to have the same punishment as everyone else. None at all. She should be locked up and thrown. The key should be thrown away. Should be made to pay it back and give it a charity. Well, it, it turns out not many people have got any sympathy for her. We've got, well, how long have we got? 20 minutes of the show. Give us a call. Have you got much sympathy for Margaret Moran? 08459 455 555. If you've got sympathy for her, you'll jump straight to the front of the queue. Because I feel this has been a little bit one-sided. I, I will be surprised if we find anybody. But if you do have sympathy for her, give us a call now. We'll put you straight on air. 08459 Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be discussing this on his big phone-in. From nine, he's asking, is it unfair 
to punish Margaret Moran. Uh, got a text here, Gavin in St Albans. I was arrested and sentenced to seven months for obtaining property by deception for defrauding the bank of 20 grand. It was my first offence. Before I was sentenced, I was very depressed and was diagnosed as manic depressive. All my property was seized and court ordered to pay off many, uh, money and court fines from property, which I had to do by selling my property. What's the difference? Uh, Glenn is on the A5. Glenn? Hello, Ian. How much sympathy have you got for Margaret Moran? Zero. Why? No sympathy. Well, it's like your previous caller had said. Um, she wasn't depressed or in a mental state when she decided that she could defraud the taxpayer of this money. Had she not been caught, she'd have been carrying on. So I've got no sympathy whatsoever. But she, but the, she is, she's mentally ill. Don't, don't we live in, as Jonathan said earlier, we live in a civilised society where we, we recognise illness and we treat people with respect, don't we? Yeah, but Ian, I lost my job, I was made bankrupt, I lost my house uh, about six years ago, and I, I didn't go off and, and rob a bank, and I was, I was on rock bottom. But I managed to pull out of it. I've got a good job now. She could uh, have had underlying uh, mental health issues while she was serving as an MP, and maybe maybe it was the mental health health problems that caused her to to take the money anyway. Has that been proved? It's not anything been proved. Like, anything like a mental health record should be on her record. Glenn, listen, let's let's let, let's lighten the mood, shall we? Because I know I know that you've got chip chip advice for us. I have, yes. Go on, what, what's, your, what's, the, what's the Glen on the A5 top secret chip recipe? Well, you always need the best Maris pie for potatoes, as fresh as possible. Correct. And then, when you chip them, I soak them in water for about three hours Ooh. to get all the starch out. Yeah. And then I dry them in a tea towel so they're nice and dry, and I fry them at 170 degrees in some nice oil. And there's nothing like homemade chips. They're so much better than those oven chips, aren't they? Oh, you cannot make an oven chip taste like a fried chip. Glenn, you, you're right. You can't. I can't do the the McCain's and the Tesco's own brands. I've tried all the different brands, the expensive ones, the cheap ones. I can't cook oven chips. There'll always be some that are like cold potato in the middle and the rest are burnt. I, I can't do it. Jason from Hitchin uh, is on the line talking about Moran. Uh, Jason, how much sympathy have you got for Margaret Moran? I couldn't, I couldn't tell you on the radio. I don't have sympathy. I have utter contempt for the woman. Really? Why is that? Um, why? Because she knowingly entered receipts and claims for money that she wasn't due, that she wasn't owed, which is in any other description in life, theft, fraud or forgery, mm. each of which carries a sentence where she should now be in jail. End of story. There is no excuse. Um, there are other MPs who have tried to use the depression to try and avoid conviction. And to be honest with you, I think if you were to go into any prison today, most of the inmates in there you would find are depressed. Yet, strangely, we don't let them out because they're depressed and it's unfair on them. They have a debt to pay to society, both monetarily and in terms of people receiving the justice that the justice system meets out. Now, Margaret Moran's escaped all of that, and she has a villa in Spain, and I'm fairly certain, I could be wrong here, but I don't imagine she's struggling too much for money, like the rest of the people in Luton, um, who she's robbed. You want your £53,000 back, do you, Jason? Oh, no, I want more than £53,000 back. I want every penny she fraudulently claimed back, and I want to see her in jail 
serving time for the crimes that she's committed. Now, now we, we know that she's not going to go to jail. That, that can't happen. How does that make you feel? Absolutely livid. Jason, Absolutely livid. Jason from Hitchin, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. She won't go to jail. Sentence today. Uh, and no doubt uh, Roberto will be talking about this, I would, would imagine, on uh, Drive later on this afternoon. Uh, won't go to jail. She, th- th- I, I would imagine the worst she could get is that she might get sentenced to, 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 you know, be under medical supervision. Fascinating story. If you've got any sympathy for her at all, give me a call now. The couple of lines have just cleared. If you've got sympathy for her, we'll put you straight on. And coming up, well, every Friday, we, we, we like to end the show with a bit of music. Just something, a habit we've got into, and I think it's a nice way to end the week and get you ready for the weekend. We've had a brass band, drum circle, harps, ukuleles. Today, we've got a vena player. What's a vena? We'll, we'll tell you in a bit. Very excited about the, the, the transformation that's taking place in the studio. We'll address that in a second, because I don't, we've got a bit of business first. Campaigners against a large waste incinerator in Bedfordshire have finally lost their fight. The MP for Mid-Beds, Nadine Doris, says the Coventer plant in her constituency at Rookery Pit has been given the go-ahead. The final decision rested with a special parliamentary committee, which reached its verdict last night. Hugh Roberts is from Marston Mortain Action Group. He's been campaigning against the incinerator. Good morning, Hugh. Good morning. What's your reaction to the news? Well, the fight is not over yet. Um, we've uh, lost the argument in Parliament, but we certainly won the argument uh, around here. We're still faced with an incinerator that no-one wants, no-one needs, and is an antiquated solution to uh, waste. But most important of all, it still doesn't have a single customer in the local area who actually wants to burn their waste in the place. All the other local authorities, Central Beds, Bedford Borough, Luton, Milton Keynes are building their own waste solutions and none of them involve Cavanta. Cavanta may have won today in Parliament, but they certainly haven't uh, got the, the numbers adding up around here to make what they propose to build pay. If, if this is providing energy from waste, Hugh, that, isn't that something that we should be supporting in this day and age? Uh, well, yes. I mean, these, these are uh, dangerous days when it comes to energy security, but there are more effective ways of doing that. And the waste, uh, the energy it produces is not the real reason it's being built. The reason it's being built is because Cavanta make money out of burning waste. Is it, Hugh, are you upset just because it's near you? If, if it was somewhere else, you'd probably think it was a good idea, wouldn't you? We wouldn't, wish, we, we wouldn't wish this on anyone. Uh, in the United States, where Cavanta is based, they're receiving, they're having permission refused to build these things. The reason Cavanta's here in Europe is because the whole market has been closed off to them, so they're finding places in the rest of the world where they can get away with what they are not allowed to do at home. The Parliamentary uh, Committee were considering all the object- objections put forward by the local councils against the plant. How disappointed are you by their findings? Well, yes, it's disappointing news. I mean, but we've had our day in court, and I think we. Sh- I think it's a credit to the uh, local people that the effort they've put in to convince uh, everyone. You know, but it was a very close vote uh, in Parliament. You know, we only uh, failed by one. It could have gone the other way very easily. I think people should be very proud of what they've done, and will continue to do. I was about to say, what happens next, Hugh? Uh, we'll study the judgment very carefully and consider our options.
Okay, well, and no doubt we'll speak to you at a later date. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, this is very, very exciting. You're down, oh, hello down there on the floor. Look, you're down there on the floor. This is very exciting. Every Friday, we kind of like to finish the show with a little bit of a, a musical treat. It's a nice way to end the week and just get you ready for the weekend. Now, th- th- we were all kind of thinking, well, what, what, what on earth could we get t- t- to come in this weekend, and uh, w- what would we like to hear? Well, I was particularly saddened, being a big fan of the Beatles and 60s music, particularly saddened to hear of the passing of sitar legend uh, Ravi Shankar. Well, in the studio with me now is Rajin, who was hugely inspired r- r- by Ravi. Am I pronouncing that right, Rajin? Yes. Uh, yes, don't be shy. It's just like having a chat. Uh, and you've got your son, Sivan Yujan, who's down there on the floor. Hello, young man. Hi. How are you doing? You're right. Yeah. Uh, and you've, you've, you're holding the vena, is that, is that correct? Yeah. What is the vena? The vena is an instrument made out of jackwood. Yeah. It has four main strings to play the melody, yeah. three drone strings for the rhythm. I'm having a look at it. It's an impressive, it's an impressive thing. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's got gold on it, it's beautifully made. I'm guessing, are they quite expensive? Yeah. How much, how much does a vena cost? Like four to five hundred pounds. Hey, Chihuahua! Take care of that! And you're. <laughs> I feel a bit funny because normally we have the guests in and they sit on the chair or they stand up, but you have to play this sitting on the floor. So yeah. you're you're kind of just hiding behind the desk there, young man. And I yeah. can sort of see you peeking over there. Can I ask how old are you? I'm ten. You're ten years old. How long have you been playing the vena for? For like three years. Three years. But when, I mean, it's bigger than you now. When you were seven, you could probably, it, it, it's like twice the size of you. Is it a tricky instrument to play? Mm, not that. Not. You've got, you've got to, you're not using a plectrum, you've got f- things on your fingers. What, what are the things you've got on your fingers oh, there? Oh, they're clips and they amplify the sound a bit. Okay, and so that, that, and that helps you kind of, kind of play it. Mum, Regine, you, uh, are you a vena player? Is this how it started? Uh, sorry? Are you, uh, do you play the vena? Yeah, I am playing vena for mostly 15, more than 15 years. 15 years. And it looks, to the uneducated, people might look at it and go, oh, that's a sitar. It looks similar, doesn't it? Similar, yes. Only uh, thing is similar, sitar, we used to play... Uh, upright. Upright. So you'd have the sitar upright, yeah. and that is being laid across the floor yeah. and laid across your, yeah. your young son's lap. Yeah. And uh, were, you, uh, were you a fan of Ravi Shankar? Were you aware yeah. of his music? Yes, he, uh, he's one of the Beatles. Mm. Uh, George Harrison's a person who is playing uh, sitar for him, and uh, uh, I think George wa- wa- named him, labelled him as a mm. father of... Music. Of world, well, father of world music. music, and he did do a lot because people, people might think, oh, well, he's just that guy that played with the Beatles and made them go a bit weird. But he brought Indian classical music to mainstream Western audiences, didn't he? It was a big thing that he did. Now, uh, I, I, am I pronouncing your name right, Sivanujan? Sivanujan. Sivanujan. Uh, are you? Do you? Do you know lots of other Vena players? Have you got like a little Vena rock group going on? Mm, not like a rock group, but I know a few famous players. Okay. Who, who, who's, who are the big stars in the world of the Vena? Who should I be looking out for in, in Rajesh Vaithya. Yeah. And Guy 3. Yeah, okay. And they're your big inspirations, are they? Are you going to be able to give us a song? Okay. I can't believe that you're ten and you're going to be able to play this amazing-looking instrument. I'm looking forward to this. What are you going to play for us, young man? Dingle Bells. <laughs> That's a surprise! <clears throat> okay, sir, it's over to you. Away you go.
was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. How long did it take you to learn Jingle Bells? Probably like 10-15 minutes. Excuse me, what? Are you some kind of prodigy? You're a genius or something. That was incredible. What kind? I'm guessing you wouldn't normally be playing Christmas songs on there. No. What, 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 what's the kind of music that you would normally be playing on your Vena? Like Carnatic music. Yeah. Can you give us? Can you give us a little sample of that? Or do, would you? Okay. Can you give us a, a little sample of what you'd normally be playing on? The, all that Mum's giving you a little bit of advice. Listen, always listen to Mum. That's the one thing I've learned. Away you go. loving it i'm loving it that is fantastic that is fantastic what at school what do your friends do your friends know that you play the vena and what do they think of it they quite like it they they, they quite like it do you ever get called into school to give a little concert and do a little show in the talent show did you man alive i bet that did, did you win no. Who won? Well, I bet it was someone singing, like, um, the Backstreet Boys or something, wasn't it? It was yeah. someone doing something silly like that. Ridiculous. That is real talent. And do you have, like, a... a are you part of a music group? Like, a, like, is there somewhere you go and practice with other people regularly? No. You just practice at home? Yeah. Uh, and, R- Regine, he's your boy, obviously. He's, he's not bad, is he? No. He's not bad. You must be dead proud of him. <laughs> I am. Good, good. Excellent work. Thank you so much for coming in and bringing that in. Do you, did, did you drive in, or do you have to take that on the bus? Mm, car. Okay, good. I, I imagine getting that... that it's, it's massive. We'll get a picture of it. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. It is huge. And I can imagine having to get... On, look, he's trying to crawl out from underneath it. Uh, what school do you go to? Mascot Virginia. Good school? Okay, excellent stuff. We've got Regine and uh, Sivan Yujan. Uh, and the uh, excellent, the Vena. Thank you so much for that. That was wonderful. What a great way to end the show and end the week. Oh, I'm all uplifted now. I've got a big grin on my face after that. Wasn't that wonderful? Jingle bells on the Vena. Superb. I've had a lot of fun this week. One more week next week. I'm back on Monday at 6. Stick around, though. JVS JVS is up next. Tongue-tied. I'm excited. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Ian.